Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. HagmanReport.com. That's our news information analysis page. HagmanAndHagman.com. That's where you want to bookmark for uh, show the show itself. Forms. I want to thank Global Star Radio Network. God bless each and every one of you at Global Star. Todd and his wife, man, they they work twenty four seven. They're so they're, they're incredible people. Global Star, thank you so much for carrying our program. Blog Talk Radio, just a tremendous group of people there as well. Got to know them uh, uh, more than, a, I mean, somewhat personally. Great people. BTR, Blog Talk Radio. And of course, YouTube Live. Well, I um, want to mention as well, don't forget, the time is going so fast, so quickly, folks. Awaken to the Shaken is, is coming up May 5th and 6th. I don't know if this is the the only or perhaps the last conference I'm going to do. I don't know. I don't know. But but awakening the shaken, I'm going to be talking about uh, personally me. I'm going to be talking about two two items: the uh, human trafficking, child trafficking investigation, courtroom ready exhibits going to be uh, presented. And also the infiltration, the Islamic infiltration into the United States. Two separate topics, two separate presentations. And then Joe's going to have some information as well. Uh, Paul Begley, of course, Russ Dizdar. That's a keeper. And um, John Robertson. So if you have a chance, uh, the event is free. The only thing you have to do is register because it's filling up. Okay, we have to... We're not in charge of this. Pastor Paul Begley and his wife are. Uh, but it's my understanding that you need to register right away or soon. So because it's filling up and they've got to have a number, um, for, for the venue. If you're within a day's drive, please consider going. It's going to be a very limited, very, very limited, very focused, intense two days, two days. Friday evening and Saturday, all day. Plenty of breaks in between. A lot to get into tonight. A lot to get into this episode. And um, a lot of things taking place. You, you know, we're on the brink of war. Yesterday, Joe, um, Dr. Peter Vincent Pry. We, well, we did, and folks, if you go to our YouTube channel, um, Check it out, too. Open up the description box. Let us know what you think of this. What we did was we timestamped the video. So, for example, eight minutes in, he's talking about this, or 15 minutes in, talking about that. All you have to do is click on the the time link, and it'll take you right to the section of the video. So if you're doing research, for example, your own research, this will help you out. And we intend to continue this process with our videos. So our, our intent 
And this is, and I want to say thank you. This is by you, by, by your support, by your financial support. This is just one way where we can have the people to do this and we can, we can focus our efforts to get the information out, uh, as quickly as possible. Lady Air Studio Dog, we're, we're getting deliveries, uh, in preparation for the, the conference and, um, about this time and, and regular listeners know about this time for whatever reason we're on that late delivery schedule so if you hear her, her yipping uh, she's in my office so it'll be a muffled bark she's in my office and that leads out to the parking area so anyway so if she'll she'll wander in here at some point um, but nonetheless you've got uh, North Korea preparing for war Peter Vincent Pry Dr. Peter Vincent Pry uh, who is big time in the CIA under uh, uh, presidents uh, Reagan Bush uh, knows what he's talking about, saying, "Look, this ain't good." Give a listen to that uh, and and view to that that uh, segment program segment. Also, I'd ask one more thing, and then we're going to get into news. Um, we're going to be we're going to be talking. We're going to be posting a survey. It's important. Um, this is going to help us with our, with one of our sponsors. We're going to be posting a survey. Please take it. Okay? Please take it. Um, that'll go up probably tomorrow. Just, just take the survey. It's, it'd take you two minutes. No big deal. But it does, uh, I'm, re, I'm, I've been asked to, to do this and I'm asking you to do this. Participate in the survey. You'll, look, you'll know. You'll know. If it doesn't make any sense to you, you'll know. You'll know. You guys are smart. You guys are very intelligent. That's all I'll say. All right. Uh, where do we start? Uh, well, tonight, uh, the, 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 this, the show tonight, we're going to have Brendan House on to talk about that, uh, Jabur, Jabbar, right? Jabber. What's his name? That, that, that moron that, uh, I don't remember the, yeah. the guy's name. You know, he was charged. He was charged, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. um, with, with, uh, terroristic threats. And, and, you know something, and this is something that, um, I, I found extremely interesting. There was an, and I'm gonna, we wanna ask, uh, we definitely wanna ask, uh, uh, Brandon about this. It's my understanding that the police observed him before he entered the conference area speeding and driving recklessly. In and of itself, no, so what? Wait a minute, though. What does that suggest? Making a statement like that on a, on a, on a, um, a report, a re, not an arrest report, but the papers that go to the district attorney or the prosecuting off of the prosecutor's office. When a, a law enforcement agency makes a statement like that, what does that suggest? That, that does suggest, if you ask me, prior surveillance. Think about it. How would they know this guy was acting erratically, driving erratically, before he made the, the threats and before he made the initial contact into uh, uh at that at that conference venue if you don't know what I'm talking about April 9th was the day it was Sioux Falls South Dakota and it was a conference by Brennan House and uh the Iranian pastor 
um, Sharam Haiti, and I don't have my notes on that, but from memory, and of course, this was not an anti-Muslim rally. This was just merely a Christian church service where Pastor Haiti was talking about about Islam. So, but 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 what really stuck out in my mind was, yeah, they they, they arrested him for or charged him with terroristic threats. Finally, and folks, I do do believe in my heart of hearts, it was our audience, it was you, your calls, your emails, because I received a lot of people, a lot of people sent me emails saying, uh, in fact, I got one letter today saying, I, I contacted the Attorney General, or I think it was the Attorney General, right, of uh, South Dakota. Another said I contacted uh, the Sheriff's Office. So I, I truly believe it was our audience that were responsible for the charges. Now, the other thing, uh, the other side of this too, is they put him out, they let him go on bail for $2,500. I don't know about you, but I have never seen a case involving a firearm, in this case multiple firearms, combined with terroristic threats where a bail amount, and anyone in the court system Folks, you know, if you're involved in the court system, $2,500, you might as well say ROR, because that's, that's insane. But nonetheless, he was charged, so that's good. So more on that by Brandon House. But then we've got all of the geopolitical things. You've got, you still have Syria that's, that's percolating away. You've got North Korea, which again, I refer back to Dr. Peter Vincent Pry from yesterday. You've got a lot of things going on in between. You've got domestic violence and Coulter. Again, not going to speak at Berkeley. You're telling me about this before, Joe. Uh, there are movements taking place here in the United States that are striking at our soft underbelly, our moral and cultural undergirdings of this country. Not good. Not good at all. Okay. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Let's get into it here. Well, uh, Ann Coulter, as you said, cancels her speech at UC Berkeley. And uh, she is the one who canceled this speech planned for this week uh, after it was canceled by Berkeley initially. Then she vowed that she was going to speak regardless if she was invited or not. I uh, was going to do so in the... Um, in the plaza, and it looked uh, even yesterday there were a number of articles about the the mayor of Berkeley and his ties to the anti-fascist group and other um, violent left-wing organizations. And we we talked about an article on there yesterday that said they believe that there was going to be violence at Berkeley tomorrow, whether or not Ann Coulter spoke. But what? Uh, it appears happened here is that the the two conservative groups that were uh, part of the school stopped sponsoring her uh, when she said she was going to be coming and speaking outside of the uh, invitation from Berkeley. And uh, she says she looked over my I looked over my shoulder and my allies had joined the other team. So we will hear more on on that as uh, she's scheduled to be on Sean Hannity's show tonight. But will there still be 
clashes at Berkeley. Uh, many believe, yes, there will still be um, the fights from uh, rallies, and there will be violence, but we will see. And there's, um, you know, the North Korea situation. We continue to see headlines, uh, you know, Hawaii threat now. Uh, this is on Drudge. Kim readies for war. These are the same headlines we've been seeing for weeks. They were talking about the threat Hawaii faced uh, weeks ago. There was also a meeting today at the White House where uh, President Trump met with all 100 senators to talk about the possibility of war and conflict with North Korea. And there was also a few drills today, terror drills, one in New York City, one in Washington, D.C. We were, we've been following those this week and, uh, the DC terror drills, they say they're preparing for, uh, complex terror attacks where, uh, the type of terror attacks where, uh, something is set off or something happens and then once the first responders get there, another terror attack is, is launched either at the first responders or at a, a separate location, uh, in order to, uh, gain, you know, maximum confusion and to divert resources from one area to another. And then there was a nuclear attack drill in Manhattan today. And some are asking, is this the preparation for a potential conflict with North Korea? I would have to say no. Um, but who knows? They, you know, these drills, uh, they're done frequently. Not these specific drills, but drills are done frequently. And many times uh, when drills are conducted, real events uh, do transpire when these drills are conducted, but thankfully that wasn't the case today, and it seems that um, these two drills went off uh, without any real incident. So that's that's good. So what what are we have we learned anything new about North Korea? Um, there's an interesting article on Fox that talks about North Korea's soldiers a closer look at the military's fake capabilities. It's been rumored that some of the missiles and um, uh, weapons that have been showcased by North Korea have uh, been used more for propaganda than for actual uh, battle-ready weapons. And the article goes on to, to point out a few inconsistencies with the soldiers carrying weapons and with the um, missiles that are um, paraded around, that they're actually prototypes and not uh, real missiles, and then... Uh, the soldiers carrying guns look like they have some kind of projectiles at the ends. And there is no, according to experts, there are no reasons uh, for them to have these, and there's no practical applications. So, you know, what are we seeing? Is this um, a show of force uh, with real weaponry, or is this a, a tool for propaganda? Um, whether that matters or not, I don't know. Uh, but it looks like they're they're pushing, you know, for a conflict with North Korea and that push is, is continuing not only in the media uh, but on both sides of the aisle from the U.S. and from North Korea. You know, I was talking to Steve Quayle about this today. We are both we're working together, Steve and I, uh, contacting all of our sources, trying to determine exactly what uh, what's taking place with respect to North Korea. By the way, he, Steve Quayle and Tom Horner are going to be on tomorrow night. And this, uh, Steve asked me to, to mention this because he feels, and I. Uh, he told me what this is going to be about. Of course, it's going to be John's going to be doing the write-up uh, 
John Robertson, our program director, is going to be doing the write-up uh, for tomorrow. But he, but he, uh, I can guarantee you, folks, you've got to tell a friend, tell a family member about tomorrow night. Uh, and of course, you can go on HagmanReport.com, click on the link uh, for tomorrow for tomorrow's show. But this, it's going to be a fabulous show. And speaking of John Robertson, John's going to be joining uh, Joe and uh, our guest for the couple of segments there uh while I step out so John Robertson program director is going to be joining uh joining Joe and interviewing our uh second hour guest or actually the uh, second segment guest and uh we got a lot of good things thank you so for your support thanks to your support we have a lot of good things happening with John Robertson and the Hagman and the Hagman report just a critically critically important team player and a guy that I really uh Man, this guy works like 24-7. And one thing I want to get into before the bottom of the hour, in case you haven't seen this, you remember all the hullabaloo about the Center for Medical Progress, their investigation into Planned Parenthood for the selling of body parts. Well, you know, Center for Medical Progress has been and is under indictment for, of course, uh, noncompliance with the all-state uh, or all-parties consent uh, uh, state uh, rules with respect to wiretapping. Yes, I said wiretapping. Okay. Um, now, that said, Dr. Mary Gatter, the Planned Parenthood senior executive who infamously was caught on tape saying, I want a Lamborghini while discussing and arranging the sale of body parts of aborted babies, of murdered babies, was ready for this? Caught again. This time she was talking about, well, she, they were negotiating price for livers and hearts of murdered babies. Dr. Mary, I want a Lamborghini Gatter. How was she caught? LifeNews.com gets into that. It's, um, again, caught. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to give you more information about this, but, uh, again, on video. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't. I don't I, I, what's that? Is it going to matter? Well, you know, it, it, I mean, it if matters, it doesn't matter, is it going to matter? Is it going to affect any change? Is there going to be? Do you, do you see a criminal investigation being launched? Do you, you see anything you know what? other than? I, okay, here's you know, I, uh, nothing, nothing against you. I, I don't like questions like that because we can. Okay, is it going to matter? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's obviously a crime. Yeah, so it let's was a crime report last it time. because. It, it, but see, here's the thing, Joe, and. and well, they made last time. They made the issue about the, you know, the, the illegal, illegal wiretapping yeah. and not the actual. Right, but is it going to matter if we ever, if we allow that question to come out of our mouths? Does it matter? Will it matter? Then you know what? We're never going to get a, a damn thing done. We cannot. We cannot. Seriously, I, that's why I don't like that question. Will it matter? Will it make a difference? What the hell kind of question is that? If it's wrong, let's expose it, whether it matters or not. Well, the, because the, the blood issue. is not on our hands, it is being exposed, and these right. people have exposed it. So, but so we collect the, the information is, and we and we we put the pedal to the metal. But that doesn't make it. I mean, it makes a difference. But we can't prosecute the the, exactly. uh, the murderers, in my view, individual. Will it matter? Because will it matter? I don't know. To the but it's not our job. In the I don't know. It's not our. It's not our job. It's not our job it, it, because a police officer. Well, if I arrest him, will it matter? I, That's I not look. What I'm I don't know. It's already been exposed. I'm not saying will the exposure will it matter if there's exposure or not. Will it matter in the minds of the people who who uh, come across it and and learn about what's happening? I mean, will it make a difference 
will there be any changes because of what was said? Will, will I, the, I don't know. You, know. you know what? If it doesn't, look, all we do is we collect the information, we collect the, the evidence, we collect the, put together the evidence, and we, we put it out there. If it doesn't matter, I can, at the end of my life, I, I can look at God and say, God, I did my best. And whether he says, well done, my good and faithful service, servant, or, gee, you should have tried harder, I don't know what he's going to say. But I'll tell you one thing. I, if I operated my life, my business, my investigations on, would it matter? Would it make a difference? If that is my line, my compass, my def- definition. No, it's not a compass. Crap. It's a question. I don't know. I mean, I we do know. a lot of things. We've exposed a lot of things. We've seen a lot of things exposed. And we're going to continue and to do we that. haven't seen any justice. We haven't seen any, not that we should operate on the, uh, you know, because we haven't seen justice, we shouldn't continue to move forward. But it gets a little old when you continue to see these atrocities being committed and nobody ever being held responsible for it and no changes ever being made. You're right. You're right. So, and it, it, it pisses me off. And if you're offended by that, fine. It makes me angry that nothing gets done. It makes me angry that Eric Holder was held in contempt of Congress and was never prosecuted. It makes me angry that you've got these people from the Center for Medical Progress being persecuted and prosecuted for exposing murderous crimes of people like Gatter, people like uh, Planned Parenthood, entities like Planned Parenthood, and never, they don't, Planned Parenthood, instead of funding plan, uh, the, the border wall there, Congress is going to fund Planned Parenthood, by the way, which is part of that whole uh, the whole uh, uh, budget issue. Ryan doesn't have the cojones, doesn't have the stones, doesn't have the intestinal fortitude, the guts, the moral compass to defund Planned Parenthood. He's sold out. Does it matter? You know what? It's going to matter because we are going to talk and talk and talk and scream and say, look, I don't care if it matters or not. I don't care who the hell is listening. I don't care, but this is our job. We have to expose evil, and I'm going to die doing it. And to you people, not you, our audience, but to you losers out there who sit in your sweatpants or, or, or sit on your rocking chair in your porch and knit a, knit a sweater or knit a quilt or, 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 or just, you know, talk to yourself and say, well, that's so horrible what he's saying. Uh, you know, he's a bad Christian. Well, you know what? You can all go straight to, to wherever because I, I don't care because we have to finally, we have to go out there. We have to say, look, it, it, what we do matters. It matters to God. The results are not up to us. The results are up to God. The effort is within our control. And that, I can, I will conclude my final statement with that. All right. Um, we have a few minutes before the break. Brandon House will be joining us. After um, we come back from the break, I don't know uh, if you saw this. This uh, was an article on a Daily Caller. It was kind of interesting. New biography, Young Obama Considered Gayness. You, you heard me right. There's a um, a biography by David Garrow, rising star of the making of Barack Obama. And apparently, President Barack Obama considered being homosexual as a young man, according to this forthcoming biography. Again, Rising Star, The Making of Barack Obama by David Garrow is set to come out on May 9th. Garrow wrote a Pulitzer Prize winning biography of Martin Luther King Jr. in the past and is a regular contributor to the New York Times and the Washington Post. And this article goes out to um, 
give a scenario. One of the chapters in the book is about Obama's time at Occidental College. And they talk about a relationship that Obama had. Obama was 18 years old, apparently, according to this. And the relationship he had with an openly gay assistant professor named Lawrence Golden. And they, they go on and, and, and put quotes in here uh, from what Obama says. Golden made a huge impact on, on uh, Barry Obama, Garrel writes. Almost a quarter century later, asked about his understanding of gay issues, Obama enthusiastically said, My favorite professor, my first year in college, was one of the first openly gay people that I knew. He was a terrific guy with whom Obama developed a relationship uh, and friendship beyond the classroom. Now, the article goes on to... Um, go through in more detail the the history in the past there but it gets to a point where it, it it points out something obama said that when he was remembering um his his uh, gay professor friend it says 3 years later obama wrote somewhat elusively to his first intimate girlfriend that he had thought about and considered being gay but ultimately had decided that a same sex relationship would be less challenging and demanding than developing one with the opposite sex, Garrow wrote. Eric's laughing. And it's funny, too. Think about it. Who? Ch- I don't know. Who, who can sit there, you know, I'll be gay, maybe. No, um, I don't think I'm going to be gay because it's not as challenging, so I'm going to go and have a relationship with a woman instead. That does not sound right. There's a video floating around of a of a Muslim, uh, uh, well, uh, of an Arab, but apparently by the dress and by uh, apparently this individual is Muslim, making out with a mannequin. So uh, you know the reason. I, 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 what does that have to do with anything? I figure okay, you got 31 different pronouns in New York City for uh, you know gender identity. You've got uh, people. You've got uh, cultures and people making out with uh, with inanimate objects. Does it matter? Well, I think it definitely matters considering uh, so many people and their speculation and belief that the former president uh, had homosexual tendencies and even uh, the, the speculation of the relationships with the number of people in the church choir to Larry Sinclair uh, and his stories about the back of the You know, by the way, so many people have said Larry Sinclair is dead. I don't think he is. We we had Larry Sinclair on the show a couple of years ago. I, I don't think he I don't think he's dead. I have not contacted or tried to contact him. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll be right back with Brandon House after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, our guest this segment is going to be Brandon House from WeekendWorldview.com. We'll get to him uh, here shortly. I want to bring you a quick word from Greenovative and Alan Riggs over at Greenovative. Um, he tells us that the response from the Hagman and Hagman audience um, has been fantastic, and he has extended an offer. The new GMAG Complete Pack, complete with the Barter Pack, are a big hit with our audience and we have negotiated with Alan Riggs uh, for a way to say thank you by offering a short term discount from uh, now until uh, midnight on May 1st there is a 15% store wide discount on all green greenovative products that make power anytime anywhere in any weather day or night they come with the accessories to meet nearly any need during an emergency and are EMP proof the discount code is Hagman for 15% off everything, uh, store-wide discount, 15% off, discount code Hagman. And again, they're featuring the new G-Mag Complete Pack, complete with the Barter Pack, 
those are the biggest hits with uh, the Hagman and Hagman audience. So I want to say thank you to Alan Riggs and to Greenovative uh, for their wonderful product. Uh, Brandon House is going to be joining us shortly. We're still trying to connect with him. He's not. Is, he's not on. No, right. not yet. All right. Um, there's uh, other news today uh, that we didn't get to in the first segment. The the uh, White House unveiled Trump's plan for the tax cuts, and there's a um, some interesting stuff in here uh, about what they're going to be doing. They're taking the tax uh, brackets from a seven-tier system down to a three-tier system. They're cutting back uh, corporate taxes and capital gains taxes. And the goal is for uh, a complete uh, tax overhaul. And there were uh, top economic advisors involved in this, as well as the Treasury Secretary, Stephen uh, Menchin. And what they're doing is they're, they're calling for a slashing of the federal income tax rate to 15% for corporations, small businesses, and partnerships of all sizes. And um, they are cutting the individual tax brackets uh, if this plan gets through the way it is right now. Now, we know that the uh, the left and the right are going to pick at this. They're going to want to make some changes. I, I, I do see uh, some resistance will be put on here. But will we see um, a, a comprehensive and smart tax plan, which not only will help small businesses but also individuals uh, in the long run? With that, we have uh, Brandon House with us. Uh, Mr. House, it's great to have you back on the show. Well, it's great to be back with you guys. I am sorry I'm dressed so informally, but... Uh, were, were you uh, golfing? No, heavens no. Getting ready for our biggest conference of the year this weekend, packing for that. Cool. Well, uh, that's good. That's good. You, 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 folks, uh, Brandon House, uh, Worldview Weekend, I mean, they, they do a tremendous uh, conference. They, they reach so many people. Uh, in fact, uh, in our program description, go right directly to his website and, and check it check it out. It's uh, you're still, are you still taking uh, registration for that? Yeah, they can, yeah, they can still register at uh, wvwtv.com forward slash Ozarks. wvwtv.com forward slash Ozarks. We're uh, we're almost full, but we yeah. still have some some uh, seats. I'll be speaking along with Sharam Hadian, Mark Hitchcock. Um, Ron Rhodes. I mean, we got about uh, eight or nine speakers. It's going to be quite the quite the uh, three day conference. Starts Friday night, all day Saturday, half day Sunday at Lake of the Ozarks in uh, well central Missouri area. Right, right, fantastic. Okay, uh, and be sure, folks, that's another great uh, source of information, inspiration to get you up to speed on things. Brandon House, always a crowd pleaser. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, I don't think I've ever appeared on a program without a suit coat, and certainly not in a ball cap, but to be honest with you, I was running around and I lost track of time. Yeah, that's all right. It actually, uh, it actually makes us look classy, which is... <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, okay, Brandon, uh, update us on this on this maggot that uh, I'm sorry, the no, suspect. Hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, all right. Um, in a nutshell, in most people, most listeners know uh, that this mope was uh, this Muslim mope went into your conference, made some incendiary statements. The law enforcement refused to charge him. He was armed, two weapons inside. Uh, multiple weapons in the, in the in the car, made incendiary statements about be afraid, be terrified, mocked. You were mocked. The situation was mocked by the progressive fascists uh, out there. 
And uh, the bottom line is, ultimately, he was arrested. But a couple of things that, that really struck me looking at the, the prosecutorial documentation is the fact one of the things that police report, uh, having observed the, uh, the, the this guy was driving erratically at a high rate of speed before even entering the conference, which suggests okay. which suggests a lot of things yeah. in my view. Yeah, well, you're right. Um, that was in the paper that uh, the screenshot of the police report that came out yesterday that they spotted him driving in. He pulled into the building next door. They thought he was acting suspiciously. Then he pulls out and he drived. At, uh, he was driving toward the Hilton Garden Inn. The report said uh, at a high rate of speed, acting suspiciously. The report said. That seems to me to be probable cause. Hey, I'm not a cop, I'm not a lawyer, but I've talked to them, and uh, they've told me, hey, that would be probable cause right there, the suspicion that's necessary to, to ask him, hey, what are you doing? Maybe even make a traffic stop and say, hey, why are you driving so erratically or at a high speed uh, on this street into this hotel? Uh, if they would have done that, guess what? He's wearing a shirt that says, I'm American, I'm Muslim, I'm armed, you know, I'm only a threat to people who are stupid. Then they could have asked him, are you caring? They would have found uh, reportedly what was a gun on his waist and an ankle holster. Yeah. Uh, then they could have walked him over to his car, and I, from what, what everything we're learning, they could have just veered right into the car and seen he had more weapons. Then they could have started checking to see if those were registered. I mean, they could have done a lot. You know, the thing is, the city and the police department were told by the police department when it originally happened are the ones that gave the, the Islamic group the permit to protest outside our event. Hey, that's fine. It's a free country. We're in favor of freedom of speech and protesters like that. That's fine. We had no issue with that. But once the city gave the permit, and again, the police department talked to us about it and said, hey, here's who's filed for the permits to protest. Once they did that, we understood they were legally responsible to maintain law and order and keep anybody from coming in the building that wasn't supposed to be there. So if by their own police reporting, now that's in the media and screenshots of those reports, they saw him, saw him driving suspicious, acting suspiciously, driving erratically, according to the report, at a high speed into the hotel, then why did they not stop him? Why did he, was he allowed to come into the building? Could this have been another one of those situations where someone does something, uh, people are harmed, maybe worse, and later comes out, ooh, they could have stopped him, but law enforcement didn't respond fast enough. Now again, I try not to be hard on the police, but I think what this is about, guys, is a lack of the right mindset with today's police departments, particularly in towns the size of Sioux, Sioux Falls, and they're not, I don't think, getting the training. They don't, they have a pre-9-11 mentality. They don't seem to know who are this Islamic Center. What's the Islamic Center's ties to the North American Islamic Trust? How is the North American Islamic Trust tied to Muslim Brotherhood, tied to Hamas? They don't realize what they're doing. They acted as though they were patrolling uh, for a 4th of July parade, I think. Well, it wasn't a 4th of July parade. And again, what if he had done something and we found out later, oh, wow, they actually saw him acting odd, acting suspicious, driving erratically, and could have stopped him, and they did nothing. I think it's a failure. But now we find out that he gets a twin, according to the reports of the newspaper that we put on our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com forward slash worldview weekend. Again, they can, we've been tracking all this world, facebook.com forward slash worldview weekend. That's our Facebook page. And they can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at wvw online, just at wvw online. We found out from the press reports that for terroristic threats against our group and us, he gets bail at 2500 Now, the reports say the bail was originally supposed to be at 102 for that. We're being told now by Sharam, who just talked to the police department, that was never true. 
He was just told by the police department today that they have the warrant. The warrant always stated bail $2,500. Now, let me ask you guys, do you think, again, if some, uh, quote, Christian guy, and a Christian wouldn't, a real Christian wouldn't do that, but let's say some, quote, Christian guy, militia guy or somebody, uh, makes a threat at a Muslim conference, do you fit like this? Do you think he would have gotten $2,500 bail for terrorist threats? You know, funny thing is I looked it up. It's really not funny, but I looked it up. Justin Bieber, a few years ago, I guess according to the news reports I read, was street rod, you know, driving in a street rod at drag racing or something, and DUI, and Justin Bieber gets $2,500 bail. Okay, I can understand that. But, you know, you start to try to compare. By the way, I also found news reports in Sioux Falls where some guy was being unkind to a puppy. Now, I'm all for dogs, but the guy was being unkind to a puppy, and he gets arrested. I mean, what is going on? You know what, Brandon? Bail is predicated or determined by a number of factors. In, in a criminal case, ties of the community, flight risk, uh, gravity of the offense, and a number of other things. I get that. But what it's turned out to be is set by precedent of other court systems in, in, in um, court systems in that venue. $2,500 is equivalent to an ROR recognizance bond and is ridiculously laughable. And it's not even – this is worse than ROR. This is a slap in your face. Exactly. And so what do you think? I mean, you're an expert. You come from this background. What do you think this message is sent? What message does this send about someone threatening a Christian or conservative conference? What do, message does this send? My personal opinion – if I am a Muslim, I can go over and slap a Jew, slap a Christian, slap an atheist, and get away with it without, I mean, with virtual impunity. And, uh, however, if I'm a, if I'm a conservative Christian Jew or any, uh, variation of all of that, uh, yeah, the, the worst punishment legally is reserved for me. And, and what do you think the chances are that some group person gives someone else money and this dude makes his bail if he hasn't already. Bingo. Thanks for pointing. You got a year's worth of rice roni on your way out. And, yep. and do you think they will alert us when his bail has been made? No. Why should because they? I, because I'm understanding from a phone call that that has just happened and we have not been alerted. Sure. Of course not. Why would they do that? You know, exactly. It's just like a, a Someone with a restraining order, and then the person violates that, goes to jail. The 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 the, the uh, SOP would be notify the victim. I think that's the only time they do that is with the restraining no, orders. No, they not. I I that's what I thought too. But when you look at the different cases across the country, cases like this, especially those involving weapons of late, involve notification of of the victim or intended victims. It's great. Well, you know, I asked. I said in my radio program today. What is the value of the life of a Christian? What's the value of the life of a Christian? I think we now know approximately 500 people in the room, uh, bail 2,500, divide that by 500 people. The life of a Christian now, I guess, is valued at about $5, guys. You're, you know, Our life as Christians or conservatives is now valued at about 5 bucks. Uh, why am I starting to feel like uh, history is repeating itself and a group of people now, oh, and by the way, the paper keeps talking about our anti-Islam group, our anti-Islam meeting. It was a Christian biblical worldview conference. People were bringing their Bibles. We were looking at a, one of the six dominant world religions that happens to be Islam. That is one of the six dominant worldview religions. 
and we were looking at it through the lens of the scripture. Uh, I know the guys in Sioux Falls, a lot of these guys aren't educated. I mean, they're educated beyond their intelligence, if they're educated at all. So they clearly don't understand. Ezekiel chapter 38 talks about a lot of Marxist and Muslim nations. So we can talk about Islam through the lens of the Bible. I know they probably don't know a lot about these topics, but just because we're talking about it, does it mean it's an anti-Islam group? We were looking at it through the lens of the Bible. But again, I guess if you're holding a Christian biblical worldview weekend, now you're the problem because the paper went on to say that this all happened at a controversial event. It wasn't a controversial event. It was a group of Christians meeting at a conference put on by a Christian author, myself, who hosts a Christian radio show, and these people chose to come as they have in past years. But I also had another guy today on my program at worldviewradio.com. And guys, we were talking about the fact that what if this is a test? And if it wasn't a test, maybe it turned out to be a test. Does it not show now how easy it is to penetrate Christian groups, conservative groups, churches? And my wife asked me, Brandon, why do you think God allowed this to happen to us? And the answer I came back with is perhaps God allowed this to happen to our group because we have friends like Hagman and Hagman. We can get on their airwaves and reach millions of people. We can reach out to Jim Simpson at The Daily Caller or Leo Holman at WorldNet Daily. We have 35-plus huge stations, some of them 50, 100,000-watt stations carrying my program. We have 175,000 people on our email list. We have over 17,000 on Facebook. And so when you add up all of the friends that we're able to reach out to, we made this an international story. Maybe God allowed this to happen, to give a warning to conservatives and Christians in America. You need to learn how to protect yourself, protect your own families, your own meetings, your own churches, because unfortunately, not all, but most of even our law enforcement have a pre-9-11 mindset. They do not know who these groups are. They don't understand their worldview. They don't know that they're tied, many of them, to front groups that are terrorist organizations. And so maybe God was being merciful to allow it to happen to my group so we could then use it to warn conservatives and Christians about what's coming. Because I believe, guys, God is judging America per the description in Romans 1. And I believe the, the, the instrument in part for God's judgment on our nation are going to be the Muslims. And I believe God allowed Donald Trump to be elected for two reasons. One, to give us some time and some protection. But two, I said the day after his election... And it was transcribed into an article on my website. The day after his election, I said, God allowed Trump to win to give protection to Christian radio, conservative radio, to churches, to Christians, to families. But if God's judging America, he doesn't just change his mind after one election. He's not schizophrenic. Can God be giving us grace and mercy while he also judges the nation? And I think the answer is yes. And I said, protection for us by having this leader keep up the airwaves open, the pulpit free. But also he will draw out our enemies. And I said, watch as Iran, Russia, North Korea, the Marxists, the Muslims become more agitated. The Black Lives Matter crowd, the white privilege crowd, they become more agitated and they become more hostile and egregious in their actions. So I said, maybe God is using Donald Trump to protect us while he's also using it as a hook in the mouth of our enemies of America to draw us, draw out our enemies to come against us as part of our judgment. I think they're both happening. Yeah, I don't, I, I, there's no mutual exclusivity there. I do agree with you on that. It's interesting how there could be multiple layers of reasons, multiple purposes, as you pointed out. 
And I think, uh, Brandon, if you look at the current landscape, you said something that I just want to go back to. If you look at the current landscape, you said something that Christians, conservatives, political and moral conservatives and Christians and Christian conservatives, in my view, have targets on their backs. We see this not just with you, uh, although yours wrote a pretty stunning series of events, um, but we see this with Ann Coulter, of course. We see this with Sean Hannity. Uh, we see this to a lesser extent, given the, the weight of evidence with Bill O'Reilly. But the bottom line here is the progressive fascists, the true fascists, the progressive left, in conjunction with the Islamic uh, element, the uh, in my view, the uh, Council on American-Islamic Relations being a, a, a epicenter, and, and the uh, North American or uh, um, uh, all, all of the variations of North the American Islamic Trust. Yeah, exactly. All of those variations, they're teaming up along with pseudo-conservatives, people who say they're conservatives, but they, they they're the furthest thing from them. They're teaming up in order to silence and shut us up. That's what's taking place today, and they're doing it by multiple means and methods, yours being one and perhaps the most egregious, and that being, you know, a gun essentially in the literal face uh, of the conservative Christian and the Christian uh, movement. So, I, I look, I, I think that there's a huge... This you're part of this. This is so huge. People need to understand, in my view, how how big this is. And you know what this is? This is the documentation we're now uncovering in the last 24 hours that there are groups that are specifically now uh, being organized. I think it's called Jetpack. It's a group of people that are being deliberately organized now to get more Muslims into elected office at the lower level. Uh, a local government where you, it's called Jetpack Inc. And um, you ought to look into that. I can come back and do a whole briefing for you uh, on that if you'd like. But we're now finding that there is a group that is uh, deliberately about electing Muslims to office in local communities. I'm talking city councils, mayors, the like. This is where you sometimes have as low as 15, 20% voter turnout because people think, eh, you know, it's not Congress, it's not the governorship, it's not a U.S. senator. Uh, so 15, 20% turnout for your local city council, mayor, local offices. Well, they're going for those. Well, who do you think controls the schools, the school boards? Who do you think controls the, 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 the police department, the mayor and the city council? So what do you think is going to increasingly happen as Americans are asleep and not paying attention to who their local officials are that control their police departments? You see what a mess they've made of this in Sioux Falls. Uh, what if they were all run by a, a dominantly or a good chunk of Muslims actually in the local government? We got a mess now, and they're not even running the government. They just seem to be pressuring the government, and, and along with the liberal media. That's my opinion. But what if you actually had the Muslims running things locally, um, and some of these radicals that are, are the really your Hamas people wearing ties? So the American people had better wake up. You know, another thing we talked about today too, guys, is it's so easy to have access to our group, even though we had security. And, and yet many of our police are not taking this as seriously because they haven't had the training. They don't realize who they're dealing with, as I said. So they don't have the right mindset to realize, wait a minute, this is a target, and so we've got to be vigilant. But think about you're going to a NBA game or a college basketball game. How fortified are those big events? Remember two years ago in Paris where they tried to penetrate the soccer game and ended up detonating their suicide vests outside. 
How long is it before they are able, with a group of uh, Islamic radicals working with MS-13, and that's now going on, by the way, who, by the way, I'm getting reports from people in key places, interception is being, has been made recently of semi-trucks loaded with military hardware. That's what they're catching. A lot of these mosques, we're being told, are armories. Remember, France went in and shut down some over 100 mosques, and they were, and according to the news reports, shocked at the military armament they were finding in these mosques. We have reports that's going on here in America. Some of the walls of these uh, uh, mosques are three feet concrete thick. Um, what if you have MS-13, as we're being told, working with some of these radical Muslim groups, terrorist groups, and they decide to roll out 100, 150 people on their little squad uh, into a city downtown where you have a concert going on or, or, or a sports event, are the police ready? Are they geared up? Have they been trained? Do they have the equipment? Do they have the mindset? Or were they able to get in? And when they get in, are you then looking at... Looks like we have a little hiccup in the in the feed, which seems to happen. There we go. And learn from what happened to us. Brandon, I don't know if you can hear us. Uh, we're going to have to reconnect the uh, the we only have about three minutes, sir. Oh Four yeah, minutes. wow. Um, and uh, he was mentioning, you know, the infiltration inside of um, local municipalities and whatnot. Well, uh, just this month, there was the first uh, Delaware State Senate uh, was opened for the first time by uh, an imam leading a Muslim prayer against infidels in the Delaware State Senate. You talk about a, a bunch of ignorant uh, buffoons. Mm-hmm. Really? How yeah. else do you explain that? Come into my house and, and, and curse me, essentially curse me. What a bunch of buffoons. These are the same people who accept that, have the coexist bumper stickers on their cars, and don't want to hear, oh, I don't want to hear anything. Okay, we got Brandon back. Brandon. No. Oh, no, we don't. All right, but, but, but these are the same kind of, and, and we talked about the, the buffoons. The, the Muslim, uh, the schools putting in, you know, Muslim prayer rooms and, and schools in Texas. It's just crazy. Um, and we have Brandon back. Brandon, we only have a, a few minutes. Um, and we Sorry, parking. We were just talking about the infiltration of Muslims in local communities. As you were saying, uh, there was an imam who opened up uh, the Delaware State Senate with a prayer against the first Muslim prayer with a prayer against infidels inside this Delaware State Senate. Um, so it's, I mean, it's happening. Did you hear what I said about Bezlan? No. no. Repeat that. Uh, we're talking about the sports events, sports arenas, yeah. sports facilities and activities and securing them. But remember what happened in Bezlan in the former Soviet Union a few years ago where the terrorists, the Muslim terrorists went in there and they slaughtered all these school children. I've been talking about that on my radio show since 2007 and 2008, and many people believe that was a test for bringing that to America. And actually, there are experts who've written uh, reports on. I think it's called the Perfect Day. And for the Muslim, the, the Muslim extremists, the Muslim Islamic radicals, the Perfect Day, because there are moderate Muslims, but there is no moderate Islam, I believe. But for the uh, the Islamists that are following it to the letter of the of the Quran and the Hadiths. The perfect day, as it's been described, is where they would carry out an attack on multiple schools in one day. And now we have how many 
training grounds here in America that have been identified and reported on programs like Sean Hannity with a, a guy by the last name of Maurer, I think his name was, or Lauer or Maurer. I interviewed him on my program, I think the Christian Action Network or something. And we have all of these training grounds. Bill O'Reilly has reported on them. I have the videotape from that, the, the, the clip from that. You have all these grounds, and one of the reports is they were shooting up school buses as in their practicing. So what about our schools? Are we talking about one uh, one resource officer at our schools? And many of them are, by the way, not to you know the character of police and pick on police, but many of them are not in the best physical condition. So do they have the weapons? Are they in the physical condition to be able to handle and respond to multiple people trying to come in and take a school? Um, has the SWAT team practiced in those schools in the community? Have they literally run drills in the schools at night? So they have the memory muscle, knowing what's going on, where we are, carrying it out in the actual building in real time, and rehearsing. Have we done that? Because we know what the other side is doing. We look at Beslan. And if they were to carry that out to multiple schools in one day, that would be devastating for America. Brandon, we have reached the, the – we are out of time. I want to thank you again for joining us. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on here in the near future, and we'll continue to, to keep us updated on this situation. Um, well, thanks for the update, brother. Yeah, thanks, thanks for caring. We really appreciate you guys. You stay safe out there. Thank you. Hey, and I, I, I will call you when he gets out. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, folks. We'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to agmanreport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right. You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid. When other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke and fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. PreciousTimberProfits.com. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We got a great uh, hour lined up for you. Uh, we're going to be joined by both John Robertson uh, as well as Marty Angelo, whose website is oncelifematters.com. And we're going we're gonna to have a, a fantastic discussion um, with John and Marty uh, in just a brief minute. I want to just cover a few pieces of news, folks. Um, check hagmanreport.com on a daily basis. Uh, you know, we are going to be changing the format of that website, but we continue daily to keep it up, updated with, uh, news and information both relevant to the show as well as news, uh, relevant to your, uh, information gathering and the current events of what's happening in the, in and around the globe. Um, one interesting article that's up there now is the, well, there, there's a number of interesting articles, but the, the Reuters piece, cashless society getting closer. Um, and folks, you should, you should check this out. More than a third of Europeans and Americans would be happy to go without cash and rely on electronic forms of payment if they could. And at least 20% already pretty much do so. A new study showed on Wednesday. The study was conducted in 13 European nations as well as the United States and Australia and found that in many places where cash is most used, people are among the keenest to ditch it. They say, um, over 35% of residents in Europe and almost 40% in the in the US would be willing to go to a cash-free society. When I see, you know, when I see topics like that about the cashless society, the digital economy, that's um something that sets off many red flags with me because we know that's what they're they're going to move towards. We know, you know, in the Bible when it talks about the the last days, the the beast system we know that they're going to have a, a new world order type system where nobody will be able to buy or sell or be part of the economy or or society without that mark. And anytime I see interest in in the idea of the cash, cashless society being thrown out there, it sets alarm bells off in my mind. So I always want to make sure we cover that. Uh, all right, and we do one more minute, and we'll be bringing on uh, uh, John and Marty. Just want to thank Eric, the tech. Um, as he's rushing together to put, um, doing a lot of work to put the, the visuals and get those correct. Um, we talked a little bit about Bill Nye yesterday and there was a, uh, folks, I don't know how many people saw it. The article's up on Hagman Report. 
his, uh, Bill Nye's bizarre video on transgenderism bombs on YouTube. Um, I have not went on that. Bill Nye has a, is an engineer, not a scientist, uh, but was known as Bill Nye the science guy. He has a new special on Netflix, which I'm kind of afraid to watch. I actually looked at, at the episodes and the titles of the episodes today. And one of them is just, uh, his title is just about sex. And that's what this, where this video comes from because, um, it, it's a video that, uh, some woman is performing a rap video and, and, um, uh, talking about sex acts and transgenderism. Well, Bill Nye came out today, uh, or in an interview and he talked about how, uh, we should be punished for having too many children in this country. And he's also come out, came out and said that, uh, climate, man-made climate change deniers should face criminal charges. Well, now he's saying the same thing, um, he says because his quality of life is affected, uh, because of the massive amounts of children that are, uh, people that are out there, the overpopulation, and that's contributing to man-made global warming, which is ruining his quality of life. I mean, the guy's a, a lunatic. He's a full-scale uh, liberal, insane, a weirdo. I, I mean, I don't like to call names, but I'm running out of uh, <laughs> words to describe the behavior and the mentality of some of these people. But again, go to HagmanReport.com, bookmark the site, and check the site daily for important news, because we don't even get to a lot of the news that we put on the site. With that, we have John Robertson and, and Marty with us. And John, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you bring uh, Marty on. Well, Joe, thank you so much. And I just want to point out for the record, uh, Marty and I are trying to be professional as you made these remarks. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like me. And I don't know about you, Marty, but I was uh, uh, laughing into my arm. Uh, folks, uh, gre- <laughs> greetings and God bless uh, all of you. And, and uh, special thanks, of course, to Doug and Joe for giving me the, uh, the honor of sitting in this evening. And it truly is an honor. What we have planned for you for the next hour, folks, I thought about it a lot today, and I prayed on it as well. And I believe that as we speak, there are men and women in our listening audience who are hurting, okay? They, they've got secrets that they're afraid to take to the cross. They can't even tell their best friend or their wife or their husband. They're doing drugs. They're popping pills. That glass of Chardonnay after work has turned into maybe four to six glasses of Chardonnay. Etc. Etc. And you are going to be introduced momentarily to a man who, much like myself, went through the entertainment industry with eyes wide open, but got beat up, scarred, bloodied, walked both sides of the tracks for sure. Uh, we're going to take you folks from the 1960s in upstate New York at the University of Buffalo, where a young, impressionable man with a, a heart exploding with passion to be in the music industry began to have his mind warped by leftist whack wacko professors who who begin to mold and frame his spirit into one of rebellion and his thoughts into one of even revolution. But this young man decided he knew what to do. He got on the rock and roll train and made it to New York City. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let him tell his story. But it is a great, it's with great pleasure, and it is a distinct honor to welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report this evening a man who will not say it himself, so I'll say it. He's a legend in the music industry, in the phenomenon known as disco, and in 1970s dance television. So that being said, Marty Angelo, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. John, I'm very humbled and pleased to be with you, Joe. It, it, you know, when when you were describing the, the liberal, radical guy, you know, I started laughing because I thought he was describing me. And... and uh, <laughs> 
And, and it's true. I mean, that's what I was. I mean, when I was in college, I was a, uh, I kind of went in as a naive high schooler looking to get an education. And, uh, my dad was a doctor, so I had kind of sights to do that. But yet, um, I got involved with the Students for a Democratic Society. It was called the SDS. And, um, most of my professors that I had, uh, in school, you know, mainly we were going to school to get out of going to the war in Vietnam. You know, Lyndon Johnson pushed it, and then after that came Nixon. But, you know, I didn't know much about a war. I just didn't want to go off to war. I went to a couple of years of military school. But I I, um, I got radicalized, and I didn't really understand what that word was. I didn't know what a liberal was. I didn't know what a conservative was. I was just a kid. And here these professors were browbeating us with, with all of their uh, jargon of uh, turning on and tuning in and dropping out and uh do your own thing and uh here's some marijuana and here's a couple of signs why don't you go out and demonstrate on campus and so I did but I I started getting uh doing musical group uh bookings uh for these radical speakers that came to town which was like Jerry Hoffman and Abby Rubin and Bobby Seal and some of the guys that went on to be called the Chicago 7 that disrupted the national convention in in, in uh, the democratic convention in Chicago and so um <clears throat> that got me hooked in the entertainment business. So I went went on had my own band, took a band from from Buffalo. They were really good musicians called the Raven. Took them to New York and that's when I hooked up with Jimi Hendrix cuz he heard this tape that I had and he convinced this club owner to give us a break cuz he liked the group, he wanted to produce the group and Jimmy was a really nice guy. He was a very humble guy and he he I really owed a lot to him uh to getting my start. And that's what pushed me into that that era. So now I was a full-fledged radical liberal hippie. Now I was a hippie with a beard, <laughs> long hair. It looked like Charlie Manson's brother. They used to call me Marty Marty. <clears throat> and so I was making big money, though. I mean, I I, I really had a good uh, a good thing going. I went on from that group to to book a group called the or manage a group called the Grassroots featuring Rob Grill, which was uh, around the time with the Beach Boys and. Three Dog Night and the Mamas and the Papas were all on kind of the same record company, and so that got my that got my career going, and uh, my life was a mess though. Let me tell you. Well, it, it, you know, we had the 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 privileged folks speaking yesterday, Marty and I, and it was just a really blessed conversation, and uh, we were able to sort of share some war stories, and uh, you know, there were just there's so many things that you spoke about yesterday that touched my heart. Uh, Marty, but in order to context your story as we move down the line here this evening, uh, and folks, we're gonna, we're gonna hang out with John Lennon a little bit. We're gonna be in the disco scene of New York City. We're gonna get busted in Miami. We're gonna go to Hollywood. We're going a lot of places here in a very short time with our very special guest, Marty Angelo. And again, that's oncelifematters.com, which is also the title of his uh, breakout book, Once Life Matters. And I'd like to point out quickly before we jump back in that Marty's uh, penned quite a few books. Uh, and the titles, I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to read these yet, but one of them in particular, <laughs> I'm sure uh, part of our conversation will definitely revolve around this. Addiction is not a disease. Uh, other titles, Vision of the New Jerusalem Now, and Lives That Matter, Letters from Prison. <clears throat> Perhaps a little foreshadowing there. Marty, you have a you have a sister uh, who yes. figures prominently in your story, Joanne, yes. I believe is Joanne. her name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this before we move forward. Uh, sure. 
what was the spiritual background? I hate to use the term religious, but where was your family at with, with God and with Christianity? Uh, were you brought up in the church? What, what did you know about Jesus, brother? Well, I really didn't know much about Jesus other than I was, I was raised uh, in the 50s in the Roman Catholic Church. I wanted to be a priest. I was an altar boy. And this was back in the era, this was before uh, uh, the ecumenical council with Pope John XXIII. That was in the 60s. He, 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 uh, he convened that with, uh, with the Protestants. They called them, before they were, we were told that they were heathen, they were all going to hell along with the Jews, the blacks, and the, I mean it was, we were the only ones that were going anywhere, and if there was a heaven, that's where we were going, and you had to be a Roman Catholic in order to do that. Now, a lot of people nowadays don't understand that, but we were told that the Bible was a forbidden book, you shouldn't read it, it'll only confuse you, and if you have any questions, you just come to this priest or the nuns. Well, all I knew about God at that time was they used to beat me up if I got in trouble, they'd hit me, and there was nothing, I never heard, Jesus loves you. I didn't hear that until I was 35 years old. So I had a rebellious spirit and a religious rebellious spirit because, you know, I really, really wanted to become a priest. I mean, I, I used to practice in my room. I had little chalices and these little, I stole some hosts once from the priest. And he, <laughs> caught, he caught me. Honestly. You know you're not supposed to do that, right, Mark? No, well, they you weren't know. consecrated. I discounted the fact that they weren't consecrated. But he started oh, running out of hosts. He started running out of these hosts at mass, and he thought somebody's stealing. And and he caught me. My mother let him into my room, and there I was. I had uh, like vestments with towels around my neck, and I had a little make-believe altar, and and there I was with these hosts. And he came and he whacked me, man, and he just he fired me from the altar. You know, you think the guy would have said, "Look at this guy. He wants to be a priest. Maybe I should encourage him." And tell them all about Jesus. Well, honestly, so that was my, when you asked me my religious upbringing, I went to a Catholic um, military school called Cardinal Farley Military Academy in Rhinecliff, New York. They were taught by the Eilerich Christian Brothers. And um, they they uh, were, all they did was drink all night. You could hear them singing and drinking and singing all these Irish songs and, and, uh, and, you know, we had to go to mass. We had to go to confession. I remember the Russians were going to come. We were going to have a war when John Kennedy uh, did the naval uh, deal in, with uh, Cuba. So um, we didn't know anything about Jesus. Man, I, you know, I, when I look back on it now, I just get sick to my stomach because I, man, I was lied to, honestly. I mean, I can't, I don't want to blame people for my problems because I will accept my consequences for my sinful life once I realize that it was a sinful life. No one, you know, uh, we we drove that word right out of our vocabulary in college. I mean, we would, we did our own thing, and if it felt good, you did it, and and you did a lot of it. I mean, there was no there was no evangelist back there. There was no uh, rehabs to go for if you, if you had a drug problem. There was no one on campus that was telling us about Jesus. There was it, we were lost. I mean, just plain lost, the lost generation. Indeed. And, and you know, a couple things really resonate with me in what you just said, Marty. Number one, uh, when we look at the millennials today, uh, a friend of mine and a regular guest on the program, Stephen Minking, is fond of saying that the millennials are a generation who have been lied to their entire yes. lives by a generation who was lied to their entire lives. Yeah. And so, Marty, before we jump back into the story, uh, yeah. I just want to point out to folks that our goal tonight is by to no means glamorize some of the things you're going to hear about, because our world and 
the the prince of air, the prince of darkness that has been given temporary dominion over this world has tripped all of us, myself, Marty, Doug, and Joe, at different points in our lives. We've all been tricked into believing that hanging out with John Lennon and Jimi Hendrix and doing a little coke, doing a little heroin, it's glamorous. You know, there's women everywhere and the money flows. And the best part, Marty, I'm sure you'll agree, agree with me, is that you don't have a regular job, you know. You've got the cool job. <laughs> so let's jump back into your story. You're sitting down with Jimi Hendrix. You're at, you're at the scene nightclub in New York yes. City. You're sitting down with Jimi. What happened? Yeah. Well, you know, he, he, uh, I looked up to the guy. Again, I had low self-esteem and I was always, I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. If you understand what that is. I was always like, am I supposed to be here? But yet my, my love of money, and my party Marty attitude was, you know, I went along with whatever anybody said. I mean, Jimmy, one time when we were tripping on LSD, said we were from the asteroid belt that uh, went around Saturn. And I said, well, that's pretty far out, man. That, okay. I, you know, again, I had no foundation, John, none, none. And so when they, when they were, when, when like when I met John Lennon later on, um, he said that uh, uh, Christianity is dead. God is dead. Uh, the Beatles were more popular than Jesus, and Christianity would soon fade away. And I believed it. I said, hey, wait, listen, John Lennon. No, I mean, he, 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 he's a big shot, man. He wrote all these hit records. And, and that was, that's what a lot of people, um, you know, that, that are lost, they, they get these little idols. And, and so, I mean, that even magnified it even more in my own life because I met these people. And, and, and they became my role models. And, uh, I mean, looked like we all looked the same and we all kind of, uh, you know, mimicked the, the, the people that we hung around with. And so, but we were lost. Uh, everybody was upset. Everybody was depressed. Guys' lives were being, uh, shattered. Pete, but Jimmy died of an overdose. Then my friend Janice Joplin died of an overdose. People were dropping left and right. And then all of a sudden I get arrested right in the middle of this career. Before we, before we, before we jump forward, let me just, yeah. uh, place a little bit of context around the story. So folks, sure. our guest, uh, this hour, uh, Marty Angelo, again, oncelifematters.com, really wanted to be a musician. Uh, yeah. but the reality is he just wasn't very good. And so, he, and this is what it was like for me in Hollywood to a degree as well. Whereas I could write, I could not act. And there came a moment where I had to just realize, you know what? I'm never going to be an actor. Yeah. So, so you have that, that terrible sense of always being the odd man out. You're on the outside looking in, but at the same time, Marty, I'm sure you'd agree, there's nothing you want more than to fit in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was the whole thing. And, and I never did fit in. I was all, like I said, I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to have uh, the money. I wanted to, I, fi- I figured if I just got more money, I'd be happy. If I got another girlfriend or maybe a blonde this time, she'd make me happy. And if I, if I got a new car or I, I got a big house in Malibu, that would make me happy. And if I just worked another gig, I started working with the Jacksons. I started working with various different groups and combined a lot of, um, concerts, uh, with, put groups together with, uh, and had these big concerts. And, and I was still empty. I was still, I was still lost, man, and I, I had such a uh, an emptiness in my heart. There was like a void that I couldn't fill, and and I tried to fill it with the, all the drinking and the drugging and the whoring around and all of these different money and situations. But I could never make myself uh, have any real peace in my life. Never because, once. Because you can't. 
that's that's exactly well I, I learned that later <laughs> you know and I'm thankful and I can laugh about it but until you meet the prince of peace who is Jesus Amen. Christ um you got no peace and and it's just phony peace uh you know you'll believe the television commercials when they show the the beer commercials with all the girls around the pool and everybody's having a good old time but they don't show you uh, uh the the uh, tragedy that happens with alcoholism and and drug no. abuse. You don't ever hear they, those stories. Now you do. Nowadays you do. Not well, back then. And and you know something that Marty and I sort of discovered as we got to know one another uh, in our pre-show work uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, there's about 20, 25 years that separate our time in the entertainment industry. But when you're messing with the devil, certain things are timeless. And let me tell you folks right. something. At 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning when you're out on the sidewalk in front of a club and the music's popping and you know that, you just know that, well, at least you think you're where you should be at that moment, okay? You, for lack of a better word, you feel like the man. Uh, the scene when the sun comes up the next morning is invariably different. It's Not ugly. Good. The Not women, good. the women aren't pretty. The, the jokes aren't clever. The drugs run out and you're essentially left alone with yourself. Yes. Except Marty, I'm sure you would agree you don't even know yourself. No, 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 no. I, I, I took on so many different personalities. I, I, I was, I, I really, I, I couldn't even identify who I was. I, I mean, even to this day, when I look back on it, I said I get sick sometimes of the tricks that I fell into that that uh, took away some of my personality. That uh, God restored it. I mean, I'm thankful that I had an experience with Christ and he, he transformed me. But um it took an awful lot, John. I mean I, I I'm thankful that I'm alive because I should be dead. And people ask me, well how come you're alive? I said, I guess it's the grace of God and God had a plan for my life and I just wasn't sure uh what it was and I wasn't really looking, you know, I was one of these guys that was not looking for salvation. I was I was looking for peace or happiness. Which I tried to get in the drugs and the alcohol, but once I couldn't fill that, I, I I didn't know that there was a a spiritual experience that you could have that would fill all of those needs. Uh, that was so far, and and I honestly wish that it would have happened sooner. But you can't go back. You got to live in the now. You got to accept what God's plan is and purposes for my life. And so I move forward each and every day. Amen. Well, we've got about uh, about four, four and a half minutes until we go out to break. Sure. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to you, Marty. Why don't you tell the folks, uh, get us up to the point where you're on the airplane with your dad. Things have not okay. been going well, Good. and you tried to basically, well, you tell the story, sir. Go right ahead. Well, Joe, yeah, we'll I, cue Marty when we get close to yeah. the break, please. Absolutely. Yes. We, we, I had gone through so much, and I, and I was working with the grassroots at the time and living in Hollywood. At a big house with a pool, that I, I was just depressed. I had I had taken all these drugs, and I could not I could not find any peace. And and so, and like I said, my whole my whole life was a wreck. And so I tried to kill myself. And I I took this drug called PCP, and I couldn't come down from it. So I started taking all of these Valiums to come down from the from the PCP. I couldn't come down. And and I said, you know, so I kept taking more and more and more. And all of a sudden, I'm overdosed, and I wind up in the hospital. And I actually wanted to die. And, I, and when they brought me out of it, they, I said, oh, my God, I can't even kill myself. So anyway, my I, I did it again. I came back, had another bottle of these pills. I did it again. 
boom, right back in the hospital. Thank God my, my roommate found me, rushed me to the hospital. And so my parents then flew out from New York to get me. I mean, and they had to come and get me. And so on the plane going back to Buffalo, um, I, I, you know, I was an old record guy. I, I had a, you know, I was in the entertainment business, so I was always looking for an angle and a, a new, a new job. And, um, and so I started reading about disco and I had just started coming out in Billboard magazine. And I thought, wow, this is great. You know, these clubs are selling records without any airplay on the radio. And I, I had, was promoting records at the time also and get paid from different record companies to go and try to get uh, records played on the radio. And that took a lot. Back then, you had to have a lot of money. There was a lot of payola. There was a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of things going on behind every, uh, behind the backs of the people. And so, um, but, but here we found this new era, which was disco. And you didn't, you only had to give a DJ a copy of the record. The guy played it. And the people who heard it went up and said, what was that song? And they ran down the street and bought the record from the record, record store. So we found a new direction. And so, I wanted to get involved. Now, here I am, just finished trying to kill myself. You'd think I would have snapped out of it and not gone back in that direction, but no, not me. Uh, and I, so I became like an innovator of disco. Um, I, I started promoting the music, and I thought, you know, we need a vehicle. We need something to push us over the edge so it would get in mainstream, because it was not in mainstream. If you remember the disco era, it took a while, and then once it hit mainstream, it, everything went disco. And so... Uh, Saturday Night Fever was the one that kind of pushed it over the edge, but it also was was its demise. And so leading up to that, I started to produce a television show that would give exposure to disco records that I was promoting, and the record companies would pay me, and I'd play them on my, my television show, and kids would dance to it. And we had this nice little thing going on. One of the offshoots was Dance Fever with Denny Terrio, and, and Merv Griffin was the producer. And then Robert Stigwood came along with the movie Saturday Night Fever, he contacted me and my group of uh, DJs of the New York Record Pool, and they wanted us to know who we would want to be a star in the movie Saturday Night Fever, and he gave us this kind of list of, of different actors. And we picked Travolta because every time he would appear anywhere, 10,000 screaming girls would show up at him at a, at a, at a shopping mall. So we thought if anybody's going to push this over the edge, it's going to be a guy like Travolta couldn't know how to dance to save his life. So they hired Danny Terrio and taught him how to dance. <laughs> and, you know, he had the looks, though, man. I tell you, the guy was a good-looking man. And so it fit right in. And so that movie took off like crazy, man. That was, And we were sitting right on top of that that whole movement. And so we started flying high. You couldn't buy a time on my – a commercial time on my show. And um, we, we, we went from, from – being hardly any knowing no one knew what that movement was to now everybody wanted it and so um but then it wasn't working then i i I ran into a problem my sister i call her a problem at times john because she was like (laughs) the thorn in my flesh she was this she had become a christian and i don't know if you want to go into this direction yet or you want to do it after the break well we're just um, about to come up on the break yeah yeah, we'll do we'll do it after the break. And this is a it's been a fascinating segment um, that I love hearing hearing these stories and, and their testimony. It's very interesting, folks. We're talking with Marty Agnello. The website is www.oncelifematters.com. That's oncelifematters.com. And the book is also called Once Life Matters. Um, and check that out. Again, go to the website. 
and check out the book. And we're going to be back with John and with Marty in the next segment. Uh, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changewithwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Um, our guest this segment is uh, Marty Angelo, and uh, John Robertson is also joining us. Uh, OnceLifeMatters.com, OnceLifeMatters.com is Marty's website. And folks, uh, Marty's uh, been very generous, and he, he did a, a special for Hagman and Hagman listeners. If you go to Amazon and you search for, for Marty's book, Once Life Matters, he has the Kindle version available for Hagman and Hagman listeners for only 99 cents. You can't beat that. Again, the title of the book is Once Life Matters. Go to Amazon, find the Kindle edition, 
for 99 cents. Marty, I want to thank you so much for, for extending that offer to our, um, to our listeners. And again, thank you for coming on. Uh, let's pick up right where you left off. So Marty, uh, we left off. You were, you, you were working in the, in the music industry. You had 13 years of, of partying and hanging out. And, and I think to, from what I've been, from what I've learned to say you were living a duplicitous life would probably be being kind. It sounds like you were a fractured human being yeah. who probably looked pretty cool on the outside and was a hot mess on the inside. So Marty, if you would take another couple minutes, let's, let's talk a little bit about LA and, and, and famous Amos and then, uh, Let's move on into the Miami thing, and let's let's talk about the collision with Jesus Christ. Right? Yes. Well, you know, with, uh, I, I mentioned my sister Joanne. Uh, she she had become a Christian a couple of years uh, before this all, um, before my bottom came. But she 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 kept reaching out to me, sending me these little tracks and books and things, and telling me about Jesus loved me and he got a different life. And you can, and I said, listen, I don't want to know anything about this. if that. I attributed. Jesus to the to the one that I knew back in, when I was in religion, and so uh, I didn't want to really know about it. But she planted a lot of seeds. But um, this TV show that I had was was really it was the number one rated show. It crossed over. It hit all these major markets with um, uh, uh, with the network uh, broadcast quality equipment. And I started off on cable and black and white. So this is how big this thing got. And so uh, it was it was actually the first television show that ever crossed over from cable. The broadcast, and it's, and it's the first television show that was ever, uh, first website that was ever uh, donated to the Library of Congress, which is, you know, I have a couple of firsts in my life. But um, this show, um, my sister knew that I was dying. I had overdosed many times. I wound up in the hospital with rapid heartbeats and and um, uh, just uh, came so close to death. And and so she. She uh, amped up her outreach to me, and so she said she started praying, God, do whatever it takes. And so this TV show I had, I was the creator, the producer, and the writer. And so I, I had, I was getting three different paychecks, I, I, and all of a sudden I get this call and say, we're at this meeting, and uh, there's a production company from New York City that was going to come in, and they wanted to take over the show. And they offered me a job as an associate producer, and I was like, Associate, an AP. Wait, wait a minute now. That's a, that's down the down the ladder. And so, but as I look back on it, and when I, I I compared notes with my sister, the day that she started praying, God do whatever it takes, was the day of this meeting. And and I I couldn't understand why they wanted to change this and change the name. And if I didn't like it, they were going to change it. So I got so upset, they said, look at Marty, take it or leave it. We're going to do it with, with or without you. So I said, well, you're going to do it without me. My pride was hurt. And um, I walked out the door. And so I wound up then going, uh, I, I went to Florida, uh, met some friends of mine. You know, we've got the Coke thing. And, and I, I, I was going to bring some uh, a couple ounces of Coke back to California. And, and there was uh, my friend uh, was in also an independent record promoter. And... Um, he had a contact with Famous Amos, and they were talking about. Do, Famous Amos was a guy that had the chocolate chip cookie, famous for the chocolate chip cookie. A very independent guy had a lot of money, and he wanted to do a TV show that was very similar to what MTV then finally did. And and I thought, wow, this is a great idea. You take the song, and you run out with a camera a crew, and you make a story, a video, a visual about the song. 
and this was really before they even did these types of things. And yeah, so, what year was that, Marty? What, oh like, man, what year it would you say that was? Sixty, sixty. Wait, no, no, eighty. It was seventy. 77, maybe, something like that, 78. Okay, so you were literally sitting there. You're sitting there having done, and folks, his show was called Disco Step by Step. Uh, for those of you who are, who are some of our, our pop culture aficionados. Uh, but, uh, I want to emphasize, Marty, and I'll hand it back to you. Here he is at probably the biggest meeting of his life, okay? And that's saying something, because this guy hung out with John Lennon, Jimi Hendrix, and a whole host of others. This is a meeting in New York City that is going to potentially change your life. We're talking network television. Yeah. We're talking national syndication. We're talking big time here, folks. This is kind of the world I moved around in. Yeah. And at the same time, his sister Joanne is in prayer that that rather than Marty uh, capitulating into the life he believed was his life to live, that he would fall into the life that Jesus Christ would have him live. Marty, back to you. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, I wish I would have listened to her then, but I didn't. <laughs> oh boy, does that sound familiar, folks? Um, but there's a time and a place for everything, and I think this is what, what, uh, God was arranging in my life. As, as you look back when you, when you see the hand of God on your life, you can tell these moments, I call them God moments, prison moments, and when, if you go to prison, it's a prison moment where, you know, you really, uh, God gets your attention, and so, um, that was one of the times I could have gone either direction. Of course, without having a foundation, without knowing God, I went the other direction and just got more into drugs and, and more into a rebellion and, and more into living however way I thought I could live. And, and I thought I was doing pretty good. And so um, w- one of these t- trips back to Florida, um, my friends had become under investigation by the federal authorities, by the d- uh, Drug Enforcement Agency. And um, so they were under investigation. Their phones were tapped. They were being followed. And I fly right into this from Hollywood, California, to Miami, Florida, of all places. And uh, <laughs> and they thought they thought they had Mr. nothing going on here, <laughs> Mr. Hollywood. And oh man, you know, they, I could imagine these guys with their headphones were tapped. The phone. Oh my gosh, there's a guy from Hollywood, uh, and and. and uh, we're going to follow him, and I bet you he's a music business uh, connection or something. we got to follow this guy. And so um, I walked into this thing, and I wound up getting arrested. They, 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 the hammer came down. They, in fact, it was funny. Well, it's funny now, but I was looking out my window, and we sat this beautiful home on Hibiscus Island in Miami and where the, where the uh, cruise ships would go out, and, and we had this big yacht back, and, I looked out the window to check out the boat, you know, and I was like, who are all these guys? There's guys with guns out. And I, they have these rifles, and there's one guy's laying on the ground. And I, I picked up the phone and called 911. I go, hey, I think we're getting, I think somebody's trying to kill me. And, and the lady goes, no, I think you just better put down the phone. And the door got kicked open, and the cops came in, and the guy goes to me, Marty, uh, we've been following you around. We've been listening to you on the phone. The party's over. He tells me. party Marty no longer has a party. They handcuffed me to the to the, fir- the lawn furniture by my swimming pool, and uh, where I usually lounge <laughs> in the sun, you know, catching the rays. And here I am, arrested, going to go to Miami, uh, at Dade County Jail. And you want to talk about uh, coming coming to a rude awakening, John? 
Uh, and I actually said, thank God, for some reason or another, because I didn't know how to stop. And I didn't really, I knew my life was out of control, but I didn't know. You know, I think these seeds that my sister had planted in me were starting to take take a hold. Because when I was sitting in county jail and I tried to tell the, the jailer that I didn't belong there, I said, I said, look, I'm a music business. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a big shot in the entertainment business. The guy tells me, shut up. You know, a typical off cop, you know, shut up and lay down on your bunk. I tell it to the judge, he says in the morning. I have to stay there all weekend. And so I started to get this, uh, this introspection, the psychiatrists call it. And, and, you know, uh, I guess Christians call it taking a good look at yourself. And, um, and I didn't like what I saw. Here I was. You know, uh, going to sorry, go ahead, Marty. Maybe going to prison the rest of my life. Folks, I just want to interject quickly that, uh, and I've been transparent about this on the Hagman and Hagman report before. I've tangled with drugs and alcohol for, a huge portion of my adult life. And I just want to really uh, emphasize what Marty just shared with you. And Marty, God bless you for uh, just being transparent and standing up for the Lord here tonight, because there are moments when you can't stop doing what you know you need to stop. Yeah. And frankly, getting cuffed up and taken in, it's scary, especially if you're on a kind of drug where you know you're going to go through a rough detox. And yet at the same time, you just, you just have that weird hope, you know, you called it, uh, introspection a moment ago perhaps yeah. conviction and and you just have that that one little seed of hope inside you and it's not even a prayer yet because you don't even know how to pray you just have no. that thing inside you where it's dying and it's pleading with you like save my life you yes. know and and so so marty there you were in in dade county jail now let's talk about what happened with the uh with the miami cop i mean the, the, oh. it, it's almost like the lord started to send his yeah. warriors first it was your sister prayer warrior wearing out yes. her knees for you now you've yeah. got uh some law enforcement some peace officers helping you out what happened there well I, it's it's you know i'd have to fast forward this a little because once I, they let me off on on bail and i had to convince the judge that i wasn't really a drug dealer and the, the jargon that they had on tape of my phone conversations had nothing to do with dealing drugs. Um, it was talking about records that, that record companies would send me, and, and I was giving them feedback. Well, they cops said, no, that's drug jargon, Your Honor. That, that records are really cocaine, pounds, pounds and pounds of it. And I said, no, it was 40 from disco records. Anyway, they let me out, and, and so I wound up, I, I you know, when you get arrested, John, Nobody wants to know you. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, you know, it's not a good... I'm going to plead the fifth on that one, Marty. <laughs> well, that's, I mean... That's our next show, folks. <laughs> right. I, so, so I never experienced that before. I mean, I had little brushes with the law. but So anyway, I, I wound up going back to my sister because she had called me. And I wanted to kill myself. I said, I'm looking to go to prison. I had like 15 in, uh, different indictments. Again, because the... DEA thought I had all these other conspiracies, but I, it really wasn't. But I finally can, you know, I find, they finally offered me a plea deal. But anyway, that's getting ahead of myself. I wound up my sister's door. I said, listen, Joanne, whatever you've got, I want, my life is a mess. I'm going to prison the rest of my life. All I want to do is just kill myself. I just want to die. And she says, well, she almost passed out when she saw me. She said, well, let me make a phone call. So they, they want, I wind up going over to her prayer group. Now I meet the prayer warriors, right? And I walk in this house and it looked like it looked like they, they were glowing. They looked like saints. 
And here I was, I hadn't shaved, I, I looked like Charlie Manson's brother, I mean, I had this long, stringly hair, and just got, you know, messed, and, 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 and I walked in, and they sh- they're shining, and they started to explain the gospel to me, so I mean, I, I, I became a Christian, electrifying, thunder, lightning hits the south, they laid their hands on me, I, I was transformed, they say, in the twinkling of an eye, I was laying flat on the floor, uh, I didn't want to get up. I felt like uh, they they were washing me uh, with it inside, and I was being cleaned. And they explained to me that, that I was a sinner, and I said, I don't understand what the word sin is. I, I, I if you want to call it sin, let's call it sin if that's what you want to call it. They said, Marty, yeah, it, it is, it is. <laughs> and if you want to repent, and I said, well, I don't know how to repent. How do you repent? What do you say? A bunch of Hail Marys and and go to some priest and tell him about your... No, 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 it's not that, it's not that. So anyway, they explained the gospel. Christ came into my life and changed me. And it was it was such uh, such a miracle. But, you know, two weeks after this happens, John, I get indicted. They finally get an indictment, comes through. They, they had held me over for grand jury, and it took about seven months. So now I'm back down to Miami, back, and I have to go face the music, right? I have to go to court. I got a lawyer. I have to, and I'm praying to God, God, don't leave me. I don't know, because I was a completely different person, man. I was completely changed. And so I went to speak at this full gospel businessman's breakfast. The guy invited me to it, and I had never heard of them. And, uh, and we were eating pancakes, and the guy goes, Marty, why don't you tell your story? And I, I what story? I'm going to prison the rest of my life, but I, you know, and then I told him my conversion story. <laughs> About what happened at that, that, that night with the three loud clashes of thunder, and and there was a police officer there. His name was Detective Frank Rossi. He was a Miami on-duty Miami police officer. He liked my story. He wanted me to come over to his house and talk to his son about the perils of the entertainment business, <clears throat> which I did. And I realized I did realize that my life was a mess, and that it was terrible. I should have never been promoting that lifestyle. And here I had a chance to try to maybe save a kid out of going down that road. And so he, he appreciated it. So I told him, I said, you know, Frank, I've got to, I'm going to court. They offered me a plea deal. I'm not sure what I should do. He says, well, I told him the name of the judge. He says, oh, I'll show up down there. So anyway, make a long story short, he, he, he shows up on the day of sentencing. The judge calls me up to sentence me. They accepted the plea deal and he said, uh, does anybody else have anything to say? And then walks, this Detective Rossi, in his full uniform. Now, police detectives hardly ever wear a full uniform except for a funeral. So anyway, he comes in and he he's um, he says, well, Jesus Christ changed this man's life. This is not the same Marty Angelo, Your Honor. And, and, the, and the judge looks out and he says, and he knew the guy. He says, Detective Rossi, what are you doing in my courtroom? He says, I came in here to tell you that this man, this Marty Angelo, is not the same Marty Angelo that is in that prosecutor's file. It's a completely different person. Christ changed his life. Jesus Christ. There was such a hush, John, in the courtroom. People were looking around wondering if they heard things. And the prosecutor was looking, how did they, how did this guy get this cop to come into this courtroom and testify on his behalf? You know, I mean, because you don't, you don't ever hear it. Usually the cops are testifying against you. So anyway, the judge was perplexed. He had to get off the bench and go in his eye. He didn't know what to think. Here's this friend of his that he knows is testifying on my behalf. So he comes back out, and he directs himself right to this detective. He says, Detective Rossi, I hope you're right, because I'm going to give this guy a break. 
because of what you said. I don't know this guy from Adam. I don't know if his conversion is experience. I don't even know what conversion is. He said, but if you're telling me that this man's changed, then I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna give him a break. And I thought, man, John, I thought I was gonna go to Bible college. I had all these plans. I was gonna go into ministry. Cause I really was converted, man. I really wanted to serve God. And I didn't know where it was gonna be, but I asked, my only prayer of faith was just tell me through the judge. Lord, just speak through the judge. And so he did. He said, I'm gonna sentence you to two, three year sentences. <laughs> two, two, three year sentences running consecutive. We got enough preachers out on the street. If God changed you, then you go into that prison and you'd see if you can change some lives. Amen. And, and I had my marketing orders. And in, indeed you did. And just to, just to shade in a little bit, uh, Marty, uh, let's, let's backtrack for a quick second. Two things sure. I really want to emphasize, uh, listening to this amazing testimony. Number one, when you came to your sister's house, when you went to meet the prayer warriors. Right. At that time, Correct me if I'm wrong, but that is the moment when you came broken to the cross. Yes. Absolutely. Right on. Okay. And secondly, uh, you use some term, I don't remember exactly what you said, but I know what, that I've felt this before. It feels almost like you're, you're, someone's got a power sprayer on the inside of you, and they're power spraying out all these layers of gunk, and all these yes. layers of gunk are what have been keeping you from functioning. And, and really, folks, that's what they are. You see yeah. all the all the drugs and the sin and the carousing and all the lying that goes with it, like the the the, the myriad lies that you can't yeah. even keep track of because you're wasted all the time and you're trying to be cool all the time, yeah. and and everybody else thinks you are cool all the time. Yeah. All of that is preventing you from doing the single thing that you were put here to do. You see, you're listening to a man right now. Uh-oh. Sorry, I lost my feed for a second. You're, am I still with you guys? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. Joe. Okay, you're listening to a man right now who was pretending he had it all, okay? And other people were looking up to him, and yet he was he was gratuitously trying to fill a piece inside of him that nothing was ever going to fill except a relationship with Jesus Christ. Marty? Right. I, I mean, that, you know, when I go to prisons nowadays, I've been doing this now. It's been, this was 35 years ago this happened, John. And I, I look around sometimes and I say, you know something? I really wish I could tell you that there was another way and that I could tell you, look at if you just go to a rehab for a couple months and you just, uh, uh, yeah, there, there's some, uh, you know, cause I tried every direction to, to go, that, to go in. I've tried all of those different things. I tried astrology and Zen Buddhism and, der- uh, transcendental meditation. And, uh, I remember George Harrison turned me on to this Maharishna yogi and it didn't work. Nothing worked. And so, here I was changed. Now I'm going to prison and now I'm in, now I get in prison and I have my marching orders and I, and, and God's using me to help doing exactly what the judge had said. If God, God changed you, you can change other people's lives. And so I did. I reached out to everybody. I, I started working with a group called Prison Fellowship, which was founded by Chuck Colson. And, uh, we had Bible study every night. We lost Jonathan again. And, um, there we are. And so, um, I was, I was a model prisoner. They took me out of prison and, and sent me to Washington DC to meet Chuck Olson and the head of the Bureau of Prisons, the head of the Parole Commission. And, um, we started speaking in high schools. I was with about five or six other guys that they did this with. And so then I went back into prison. And, uh, from that two week, it was a two week furlough. And, and Colson, I had met Colson once on Easter Sunday, came to speak in the prison I was in. 
And he told me, I went up to him afterwards and I introduced myself and I said, you know, I used to hate you <laughs> and your buddies and uh, John Ehrlichman and Halderman and Nixon. And I said, man, you, I, I can't believe that we're, we're like brothers now or something because Christ, you're telling me Jesus changed you. I'd read his comic book called Born Again and he changed me. And he looked at me and he says, you know something, Marty? God's got a plan for your life. I said, yeah, I know. I keep hearing this from people. But I don't know what that plan is. I'm in prison. He goes, Marty, believe me, you're going to get out of this prison someday. And God's going to open up the necessary doors for you to go through. And he's got a real plan and purpose for your life. So believe me. He says, he did it with me. I worked for the President of the United States. I was special advisor to President Nixon. And God changed me in a park and parked in my car in somebody's driveway. And he said, so... Believe me, it'll happen. So I mean, it's funny that he said he said that because then after I got out of prison, I wound up working for the man for for four years and uh, as an assistant uh, director in Washington D.C. and then out in California and Los Angeles as an area director for Chuck Colson. And I was always with him. And we had good good relationship and met a lot of politicians that because he was still a really powerful guy and uh, he and he opened a lot of doors for a lot of ex-convicts. To, to work there, and and he, he had a burden, and I had the same burden. I mean, he, I kind of used him as a role model, and he started writing books, and he became a spokesperson, and he did a lot of uh, public appearances, and I started doing the same thing then as I grew as grew as a Christian. But I have to keep going back to that day uh, when I was broken and hurt, and uh, it was what I was searching for all of my life, John. Uh, I never Amen. knew it. Never knew it, but I was like I had a like a Damascus Road uh, conversion, like the Apostle Paul, where I wasn't looking for it, but God had a plan for him and He had a plan for me. And once you put your hand to that plow, you don't look back, and you just move forward. And for 35 years, God has opened every door. I worked at Teen Challenge. I started drug programs for Sheriff's Department in Palm Beach County. I've traveled. I've spoken prisons. I've written 10 books. I mean, God has really used me. I've reached out to celebrities that going down that same road that I went down. Um, anybody that's like, if you hear some of these celebrities that are getting arrested, I had a, a friend of mine that was the, uh, the Los Angeles uh, um, uh, County Jail chaplain. And anytime any of these celebrities would get arrested, he would call me. And because uh, they had a celebrity row, they called it. Like OJ was one of them. And uh, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, so a lot of these little girls that got arrested. And we would reach out to them. I'd send them copies of my book. I would go in and talk to them. I would try to convince them to go into uh, Christian rehab because I realized that the secular rehabs at that time were not working. And these kids needed the chance. They needed a change. And I, when I worked at Teen Challenge, I realized that you need more than a month in a rehab. You need, you need at least nine months to 12 months. Of a faith-based, and you really—it's really a discipleship program. You, you, drugs were just what brought you to Christ. Uh, Rest is just, just what brings you to Christ, and then He has a whole new life. Whereas a secular rehab isn't going to give you new life. You're just going to be a drug addict the rest of your life. Yeah, or, I want to jump in quickly on that. I want to jump in quickly on that, Marty. A couple of things. First of all, by way of show mechanics, we've got about two minutes till we go out to our break. At that time, unfortunately, what I'm going to do, Marty, is I'm going to give you over to the. The, uh, the care of Joe Hagman. We'll keep you over okay. for a few minutes into the next hour, and thank you for being uh, so kind with your time and for your gift of time to do that. Uh, Joe's going to give out the number if folks want to have a quick word with you. Sure. Folks, if you'd like to speak with our guest, Marty Angelo, 
Uh, just a couple of, uh, of requests, please. Uh, give us a call. Joe will give out the number. Let's keep the calls to a single topic or question. Uh, if you have need for counsel or advice or if you need to be directed to people who can really get in and help you, uh, OnceLifeMatters.com, OnceLifeMatters.com, Marty's book, Addiction is Not a Disease, is a great place to start. The reason I'm not staying over into the third hour, gentlemen, is unfortunately I have a battery issue and I'm going to lose contact with the show here in probably another three or four minutes. So I'd just like okay. to make a final remark and then Marty, I'll hand it to you and Joe will take us out. Folks, great. if you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, the bottom line is this. Secular rehab is not going to help you. It can, it can put you in a spin dry. It can get you 30 days off of what's killing you. Yeah. But without Jesus Christ, your chances are zero. The recidivism rate in rehab in California today is 97%, and that's what the rehabs admit. So go spend the money, get go to the spin dry, get yourself cleaned up, but beyond that, you've got to get under the blood, and, and you've got to be healed by his stripes. That being Amen. said, Joe Hagman, thank you so much. Marty Angelo, I'm John Robertson, HagmanReport.com. I'll see you folks next time before my battery dies. Marty, hang out, and we'll take some calls. Sure. John, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and and conducting that interview that was a, a fantastic interview and marty uh thanks for for your time tonight and uh yeah we'll hang over in uh about 15 minutes in the next hour we'll take calls at 844-769-2944 that's 844-769-2944 we'll take about 15 minutes of calls with marty and then we will take calls in through the rest of the hour on anything you guys want to talk about um, news related uh, questions for me and my father uh, or anything you want to get into again 844-769-2944 Marty Angelo is going to be with us taking calls for the next 15 minutes his website oncelifematters.com that's also the title of his book you can get it for 99 cents on Amazon Kindle Once Life Matters we'll be right back don't go anywhere Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. to this third and final hour of this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Um, we had a, a fantastic interview in the last hour with Marty Angelo. He is uh, staying with us uh, for a little bit into this hour, and we're going to be taking some phone calls. If you have a question for Marty, 844-769-2944 is the number. That's 844 and then um, after we're done taking calls with Marty, we're going to be taking calls for the rest of the show. Before we get to the calls, Marty, um, yeah, you can you tell us a little bit about about your uh, your book and maybe yeah, uh, some things yeah. about your book that you didn't talk about in the first hour. Yeah, uh, thanks for asking, Ted. Um, you know, this test it's it's it really a, a it's a biography, autobiography of of what my life was like in the entertainment business and what brought me to Christ, that story that I told about showing up at my sister's in there and and um, what happened while I was in prison and how it got me out of prison and what I did for many years up to 2006. That's when the book, I finally released the book. And then we've given away thousands of these books throughout all of the nation's prisons and, and jails and rehabs. And uh, In fact, I got such feedback from people that read the book um, that I published some of their letters and I call it uh, letters from prison uh, lives that matter uh, and um, very very touching stories I thought my story was something and was, I was bad but boy you get some letters from guys that are doing some serious time and uh, where your story touches them in a way you know, books are great in prison. Uh, they, they, guys don't have anything else to do but to read and watch television and work out. And so, um, um, it was a good vehicle. And, uh, so I, I make it available. In fact, if any of your listeners, they can buy it for 99 cents on Kindle, but if they have a loved one that's in prison or in a rehab somewhere, I'd gladly send the copy, uh, autograph copy to that person in the jail or the rehab so they could write me. At my website, uh, Marty Angelo, or, or Once Life Matters, and find my contact and send me an email 
with the person's name and where they're located, and I'll gladly send one out free. That's that's part of my regular ministry. That's what we do with all of the all of my books, and also books of, that my uh, some friends of mine that I've met over the years have published. And it's quite a ministry. Yeah, that's uh, you know, it's um, the, I've been to the jail myself, and and uh, as you said, there's not much to do in there except read and you know play yeah. cards and uh, you know uh, and and talk with people. Um, but when you were when when in your own experiences, um, did you find that people were going to church or involving themselves uh, in 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 you know in the Bible? To kill time, or did you see actual uh, uh, real interest in? in uh, that's a great question because th- that uh, I would say um, there was a small group that were really dedicated Christians that did that were walking the walk and witnessing to people, testifying to people, and reaching out, having Bible study and singing and. And there was a church. There was a, many different denominations, and and it was a convenience to a lot of people. I mean, because I used to I used to stand near the garbage can uh, every every day. I checked the garbage can by where, where they would release inmates from. You'd go to the certain door, and and a lot of guys would leave a lot of their junk in the garbage can. And you don't know how many Bibles I used to fish out of that garbage can. And, and, and I, and I ask, I even ask guys when I go into prison, one of the first questions I ask, and I always start with questions. I don't start with a testimony or a sermon. I ask them, how many of you have been here before? Christians. Now, this is in a chapel service. And honestly, um, they, most of them raise their hand. And I ask them, I said, well, why, did, what, why would you be, become a Christian? You, you know the benefit of being in prison. Uh, and and you got your life straightened out. Why would you go out and do run back and and that was what Chuck Colson wanted. That's why I was assistant advocate director. We developed programs because we started to identify the major issues of what people had when they got out of prison. But I I was I was it was mind boggling to me, and and I as I found out that three out of four go back to prison, and California within the first year nationally statistics is in the first three years. And so you play games with God, and that's why I'm so serious about my walk and my books that I write, is that Christ comes and lives in you, and 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 He doesn't leave you. The Bible says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're the one that leaves Him, and and a convict kind of plays these footsie games with God, you know. Well, he's not looking; he's busy over in Africa helping somebody. They don't they don't have a complete grasp of the Bible of 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 that that Paul talked about was the mystery of the gospel is Christ lives in you. And so um, that's that's something to study. And, you know, at the time I did, I graduated from four Bible colleges, and I took the time. I let time serve me, and I wasn't playing any games. I was serious because, man, if, you know, my old life was, was a wreck. And, and so if he saved me, uh, he's real. And, and I think that's the difference between any religion, Muslim, Jewish, you name it, um, the living God comes and lives in you, and you know it. And, and there's no other religion that does that. I mean, they may talk about God, you may know God up in your head, but um, when you have Christ, the living God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, come and live in you, 
Ah, man. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Absolutely. I got an email question uh, from, from Bill, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that you uh, used to run with or be associated with in, in your, in the, the musical, um, you know, the hanging out with the Jimi Hendrixes mm-hmm. and such that were into the same lifestyle as you were come out on the other side, um, with, with this faith as you, as you do. That well, you know. there are, there are some now that I, that I've met along the way. Um, not too many of the guys that I, when I was in that business, now again, that was a long time ago. I'd been 35 years. So, most of the guys that I came up through with are dead or, or, um, there's a couple that, um, that had a, when I, when I got out of prison, I worked at a place called Faith Farm and it was like a Salvation Army. It was, they sold used appliances and used furniture and this and that. And the band that I used to manage, the grassroots was featuring Rob Grill, did a concert on the beach and in Fort Lauderdale and this was in Fort Lauderdale and, and the promoter said hey you know Marty's out of prison you gotta go see him he's over in this place called Faithbar so Rob Grill came over with his guys in this big old black limo all pot smoke coming out the window when he pulled in cause I was outside selling appliances and that was part of my my job I, they hired me and I was fa- thankful that I got a job in a ministry and anyway he he came up to me and he jumped out of the car, gives me a hug and goes, Marty, you know, hey, what are you doing, man? When are you going to snap out of this stuff? I got your letter telling me about Jesus. But I mean, you know, this is now you're out. Get in the back of this car, man. And come back out to Hollywood with us. You were the best manager we ever had. I said, Rob, I wouldn't get in that car if you gave me a million dollars. But you know something? He never forgot that, that moment. And he, and I saw him a couple years later. And he's now passed away. I, I spoke at his uh, memorial service in, uh, a few years ago. And he, he told me, he says, Marty, this was a two years later I saw him in Maryland. And he said, uh, I'll never forget that, Marty. You had such a peace about you. And you were so sincere. And, Marty, I know how you were because we did a lot of things together, bad things together. And you would have gotten that car and you would have gone back to Hollywood with me in no, no time at all if it was old party Marty. And I said, I know, Rob. Christ loves me, changed my life, and he'll change yours. So I witnessed to him, and then right before he got sick, he had this really great spiritual experience with Christ. And, uh, you know, it takes, it. sometimes you've got to get down, man, where you're almost dead to where you appreciate it. And then once mm-hmm. that happens, you go, gee, I wish this would have happened yeah. sooner. <laughs> In my own personal experience, you know, um, when, when I went to, to jail myself, uh, it was the worst experience in my life. But looking back on it, uh, mm-hmm. it couldn't have happened any other way because it had to happen that way for me to, right. to, to change the things and have the changes, uh, that the things that needed to be changed in me, it needed to happen that way. And it's amazing yeah. the yeah. things that you live through that you think are the, you know, uh, the most terrible things that you've ever experienced. But yet after a little bit of time uh, passes, you look back and you, you know, you wouldn't change it for the world and, and you're so thankful that it actually happened to you. It's a right. pretty strange. It's, 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 my friend of mine wrote a book called The Prison Moment. And when I had this prison moment, when I, when I was in prison, it was the happiest I ever was in my life. And I realized at that point that I was in a worse prison, right? When you talk about prison, it might not have been bars, but I was in a worse prison out of prison mm-hmm. when I was living that old lifestyle. And that was the blessing of prison, because at least I knew I was in prison. <laughs> Very true. And it wasn't, wasn't going to keep me forever. And thankful that if that's what it took, then that's what it took. Well, Marty, we have a we have a few calls. 
Um, okay. We're going to go to uh, Deborah in Missouri. Deborah, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report uh, with Marty. Hi, how are you? Hi, hi, Deborah. Mm-hmm. Hi. I uh, I just wanted to call and tell you that as you were sharing your testimony, it brought tears to my eyes because oh, of wow. the, the life and the light and the love of Jesus. It's like no matter how dark your world is or anyone else's world is, when you turn to the Lord, it's like light floods in and love floods yeah. in. And it's just it's so touching. I, I want to encourage you to keep sharing with people because people are not always at that place where it may seem like they receive what you're saying, but just like your sister kept putting those seeds out to you as God led her to, well, as God leads you to the right people that he leads you to, their response is, is not the main thing. It's that you're obedient because those seeds, if you're going to the people he shows you to go to, those seeds are going to grow. They're going to be watered because God knows exactly who's, who needs to hear it, even if it looks like they're not listening. (laughs) Yeah. Amen, sister. I understand you 100%. I really yeah, do. Yeah, so I just, I just really appreciate your, uh, your testimony today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Deborah. You're welcome. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're good you know, we're, 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 we're reaching out to a lot of colleges now. Um, you know, I really have a burden for these, these kids that are, I don't know what's wrong with them, man. They, they're, 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 uh, they're going nuts. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just curious what's going to happen tomorrow um, in in, uh, in San Francisco. But I remember those days, brother. I, I remember being in the same situation uh, and, and demonstrating. And then, and when I look back, I go, "What was I demonstrating?" But I did have a cause. We were trying to stop the war in Vietnam. Yeah. But the kids nowadays seem to be just man. They're going. They're going in a direction. And it's an individual direction, just like our, our our sister just said on the phone. I don't know what it's going to take to get some of these folks that are radicalized and liberalized by these college professors. I don't know what it's going to take. I know what I had to go through. The Bible says you have to go through much tribulation in order to enter the kingdom of God. And the only the only person that's going to change any one of those people that wear those black masks and run around these college students is going to be Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of those kids are on the road to destruction. There's nothing going to be good that's going to come out of that lifestyle. Nothing. You may think that it's going to be. You may, with all your buddies and all those people that are out there doing the same thing, thinking, I don't know why they're they're demonstrating, because there's nothing to demonstrate against. Just because we got a new president? I mean, give me a break. I mean, we were getting shot. The the Ohio State uh, Federal uh, uh, National Guard came and shot four of us at Kent State University because we got so out of hand. And I just hope that it doesn't happen to this generation, and that's why I'm starting to reach out and doing some campus outreach. And you know, the, don't the, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go down that road. Except I'll say, uh, if you can get in there to speak at some of these campuses, uh, you know, it, it's bring needed. A gun. It's needed now more than ever because, as you said, I don't know what where this mentality comes from, but it's it's very scary. Uh, we have William in West Virginia. William, thanks for calling. Uh, you're on live with the Hagman and Hagman Report with Marty. Hi. Yeah, hi, Marty. Um, hi, William. I just wanted to, to uh, ask you a question. It's a little bit off topic, sure. but it's still a prison. Um, 
I don't know if you're aware of what's going on with the mental evaluations where they just round up people and you meet your family members to kind of declare you mentally um, unfit and then you're observed for between four and 30 days in those mental hospitals. Mm -hmm. Those are a prison in themselves and they're quite frightening, especially the other people that are, yeah, mostly on yeah, people with drugs or violent or just delusional. But uh, I just wanted to find out from you what, you, what your perspective on that is and your ministry deals well, with that. You know, they, we, 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 we have that. You know, I live in Florida, and uh, they have these drug courts uh, down here. They, that this is uh, society's way of, you know, trying to solve a problem without Christ. And um, so they have these drug courts now. If you're if you're a parent and you have a child that's out of control, either mentally or, or because of drugs or whatever, you can have them institutionalized. You bring them to this drug court. And the drug court will, it's, it's like one step before you go to prison. Mm-hmm. So they're actually trying to give you a little break. And so they'll do these mental evaluations. They'll diagnose you with something. And, and they're trying to solve a spiritual problem with, uh, with physical, me- uh, medical, uh, 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 treatment. And most of those don't work. Um, I feel sorry for some people that have gone through those types of programs. I mean, at least it is a help, but the statistics, John said it earlier, the statistics are like 90-something percent are don't work. It's zero to four percent. Don't That's their success ratio in those types of programs. So um, I don't know. And now they're throwing more money at it. I know Donald Trump, our president, has, has got this task force. Uh, they're going to throw a billion dollars or something at the problem. And... Uh, they want treatment instead of prison, and and you know they've been trying. California did this one time. Uh, they studied their prison uh, program that had substance abuse uh, treatment in it, and they they spent a billion dollars on this program over a course of ten years, and they hired UCLA and USC to study how effective this program was. This is back when uh, Governor Schwarzenegger was governor, and, and I was on a task force with them and we're trying to convince them to do a faith-based, Christian-based program in prison. He didn't want to know anything about it. And he says, my program's, my program's successful. We got to say, we studied $6 million. We got these two universities to study. And you know what this outcome of the study was? It was a complete failure. They, they took two groups, one that went through their drug rehab program and one group that didn't had similar crimes. You know how you do a study. And it turned out that the people that didn't go through the program did better than the people that went through the billion-dollar state of California prison substance abuse program. And Schwarzenegger was flipped out because he had the press in front of him when they announced when they announced that he fired the person in charge because they were getting reports that it wasn't working. And the guy just filed the reports in a, in a pile of papers, and they spent a billion dollars of the taxpayers' money on a program that absolutely didn't work. And he told me he was more convinced he, he was more concerned with trying to find a football team uh, in Los Angeles because Los Angeles went to uh, St. Louis, and I got to find a football team. I said, well, you know, why don't you come and find look at this program we designed in, for the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office? The success ratio is six, uh, 86% that goes through this program, never goes back, and commits a crime, 
or, uh, or it goes back on drugs? And his answer was no. And Jerry Brown was another governor that said no to a program that actually worked. It was, it was uh, evidence-based and, and actually had success instead of their billion-dollar bomb that, uh, that didn't help anybody. So. Yeah, and uh, William, you know, uh, from what you said, that you, you described a, a scenario where you're talking about um, you you have the uh, somebody who goes into a treatment center or a mental health institution willingly, and then those who go against their will. But I think Marty summed it up when you know that's only part of of addressing the problem. You have a the spiritual component where uh, even from AA to mental institutions to drug rehabilitations don't don't really deal with that. And I think no. that, um, you know, regardless of, of what the treatment is or type of treatment you're going through, whether it's mental health or even a dual diagnosis with addiction, that the spiritual component is something that um, needs to be focused on. And too often we see psychology uh, try to replace the, the spiritual component, and that's very yeah. dangerous. We're going to at least get to uh, – we have two two more calls uh, from Marty. We have Deborah. I think she keeps dropping off. We're going to go to her right now. Deborah, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman report uh, with Marty. What's your question? Oh, well, fantastic. Finally. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Deborah. Sorry. Yeah, if I may say maybe some NSA going on. Um, I am an ex-military, ex-sniper. But that's neither here nor there, but I finally got a hold of you. Yes, um, I have a uh, sort of a stupid old nephew. <laughs> yeah, for, forgive me for calling him that, but uh, he's a 43, 47 now, and I've written to him several times. But he seems to want to make his contacts back in his old world again. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and nothing that I can say as an aunt to sway him of it and so um, I had to uh, the in prison the in prison with him yes he's in San Quentin he, yes oh, but okay. I think the yeah. second or third time and I, I will get on your site there and uh, please uh, do give send me the, his name info. Yes. send me his name honey yes send me his name you bet, and you I'll, bet. I'll contact name, him and send him a book yeah. and a letter mm-hmm. he's saved he's a Christian uh, well, that's the problem. He's like in between. See the, he's right. in prison life. You know, he goes back to to the theft and this and that. And but yeah. uh, his whole family is Christian, and uh, we pray yeah. for him uh, mightily. And uh, he doesn't stand a chance. Let me tell you. <laughs> when he, yeah, I asked that question when for, I go to prison. I said, "How many of you have, have people praying for you that know God?" And they all raised their hands. So. Believe me, your prayers are not going uh, going to waste. God's working well, on this. Well, and uh, I do believe that uh, you're one of the answers to the prayers. How about that? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So God we bless all, you. Yeah, all yeah. things work together for good. Thank you for calling. You bet, yeah. and, uh, and I'll be in touch with you this night. Well, thank you, thank Deborah. With the info. Yes, yes. Thank you. God bless. Excellent. Bye-bye. Have a good night. All right, we got Jeff in Wisconsin next. Jeff, thanks for holding. You're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, thanks Hi, for Jeff. taking my call. Um, my question is: is uh, is the program that Marty offers? I've been listening to this for a while. Is it kind of is it twelve step based? Well, you know, it's not the program that we designed. I think I mentioned the program that we designed for the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department 
It was a residential treatment program. It was, um, but faith-based. We used curriculum from Teen Challenge and, and, a, and a ministry called Dunklin Memorial Camp that's been in business since the 50s that has been treating uh, drug addicts and alcoholics uh, with with discipleship. And so we used, we, we tweaked the program to fit into a jail setting. So the program um, was uh, in the Palm Beach County Jail. is called the Drug Farm. It was a nine-month to 12-month program. So instead of going to prison, the judge sentenced you to this program, and then you got assigned a counselor, a teacher, uh, group therapy, one-on-one counseling, and a Bible, and, and, and they had uh, homework that dealt with uh, biblical scriptures and, and, and rehabilitation, and not, uh, not rehabilitation, transformation. You know, and when you talk about rehabilitation, they're going to bring you back to what you used to be. Now, who wants that? And so uh, I'd rather get, be a new a new creature. And so that's what we taught. And the success ratio was was tremendous. It was 19 years in the program. So there are there are a lot of faith based programs in the United States. Are you looking for one, or do you know somebody that needs that needs a program well, like I this? Have, I have I have a son that's going to be facing prison heroin. Okay. And, uh, he already has done in the state of Wisconsin. There was a program called Rawhide Boys Ranch. Okay. And, and he had okay. troubles when he was a teenager, and I had him, uh, every time he did something wrong, I had him violated, and I called the police. Yeah. Because it, it really just got out of control, and I realized it was sure. it was beyond anything I knew what to deal with anymore, and other help was needed. And But the staff there, I got to know the people well, and after uh, getting to know them, they were, they were it was a Christian-based um uh-huh. Organization, and they were disappointed in the low, in the high repeat and, uh, of people yes. going back to what they were doing before. Well, and, it takes, you know, yeah, it's, it's, how, how old is your son? Well, he's about 30 now. Oh, so he's, he's, he's older. But they, um, is he still a drug addict? Uh, he was clean for a long time, I thought. He was going to be okay. We actually gave him a car. I paid off the fines that he had left over. And within two months, it was right back to where it all had been before. Smashed up the car. Yeah. Uh, and this wow. time he got into uh, heroin, which, I mean, it's... That's not good. I'm living up in northwestern Wisconsin in the middle of nowhere. And it's, I mean, it's here. Right. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah, you know there there is hope. I mean, if there's program, there's free programs like Teen Challenge is free, uh, Faith Farm in Fort Lauderdale is free, Dunklin Memorial Camp is free. Um, you know, you have to kind of convince them that he wants to be there. He has to, you know, apply. It's tough if you don't want help. That's why these programs don't work. That's right. They're going there for all the wrong reasons, and uh, they think it's abracadabra. You're going to fix me because I went to a 30 day or a 60 day program, but. You know, if you're not serious about wanting to change your life and sick and tired of that lifestyle, you're going to keep going down that road. And so I've seen it happen, honestly, thousands of times, brother. Not, you know, don't think you're alone there in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's happening to a lot of people. And if you want, if you want to contact me and can send me an email, just go to my website and send me an email or, and I can give you my phone number and I can talk to you and try to, um, you know, reach out to your son and try to, you know, help him and get into a program if he wants or 
you know, just send them a book. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe like the lady that called before, just plant some seeds. That happened with me. And, and, and you know, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for the call. Uh, OnceLifeMatters.com is Marty's website. And, Marty, I want to thank you for, for hanging with us uh, through this You're segment. You're welcome. And taking hey, calls. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate it, brother. Keep up the great work. And thank you. Uh, uh, you, you had a fantastic testimony. And hopefully we can have you back on in the future yeah. and, and do this again. Um, Absolutely. I'd, I'd be, be be looking forward to it. Well, fantastic. Uh, folks, that was Marty Angelo. His website, OnceLifeMatters.com. That's OnceLifeMatters.com. The book is called Once Life Matters. Go to Amazon, and uh, he has put a special for 99 cents. You can get the book on Kindle. Uh, the book title is Once Life Matters. Marty Angelo was our guest. Folks who are on hold, who want to come on, uh, who had questions for Marty, uh, sorry we didn't get to you, but if you want to stay on the line, we will continue to take calls in through our next segment to close out the show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We'll be right back. Stay with us. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from a cooking uh, utensils, a cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow. It's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Personal Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changewithwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are in our last segment, and we have a few callers left. We're going to take those calls. We're going to go to Christine from Texas, and then we're going to 
close out the calls with Maria in Virginia. Uh, Christine, hey, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hi, is this uh, Joe and Doug? Yes. What's on your mind? Can you hear me? Hi. I just wanted to say thank you and God bless you for your show. I've been listening to it for years. It's been very informative and very helpful for me. I've been struggling with my own set of problems. I wanted to tell Marty thank you. Um, I do have an addiction myself because I have several spinal problems and I don't know what to do. And the doctor just cut me off my medicine, so I've turned to other things as a result of that. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of stuck up against the wall because I can't really walk without my medication. So... You know, and I just wanted to give you guys like kudos and a thumbs up and to say thank you guys for, you know, everything. You guys have been wonderful, very informative throughout the years and I, I can't thank you enough for everything. I've learned so much and I've become a better person because of your show and become a better Christian because of your show. Um, I know I mess up, but I know I'm a sinner and I know I have my issues, but it's, 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 it's kind of hard. You know, I have a parvo cyst, I have a spinal cyst on my spinal cord, I have a herniated disc. And I have degenerative disease, spinal stenosis. And nobody believes me that it's from vaccinations and from fluoride and all that stuff. So it's really hard to get through to people and get them to understand why I'm like this. And you know, well, Christine, younger, let me ask yeah, you a question. Christine, yeah. well, let me ask sure. you a question. You, 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 don't gloss over this too quickly. You said that uh, you turned to other things when the doctor cut you off medication. Is, is that what you said? Yeah. Did I hear that right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. First of all, yes, why I did. cut? I mean, I understand. I understand more than anyone. I understand what's going on out there. But why do you cut you off your medication? Um, well, I got SSI recently, and this was like my mother-in-law's doctor, and she set me up with him. And as soon as like the the state insurance kicked in, and I got my new PCP, and he told me at the last minute to get everything done. And, you know, and I just got tuned up against the wall. They, they, the doctor is not going to treat me anymore because um, he can't legally no longer treat me anymore because I have the SSI and I have this new PCP okay. and stuff okay, like so that. Okay, so, so that, that, it was an insurance fine. issue. It, it was yeah, an insurance. Okay. Exactly. All right. Exactly. And then without, going, without glossing over this, so because of that issue, you see, you're turning to other, or you turn to other things. And, and here's yeah. what I read into that: heroin. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I cannot walk at all. I'm in dire pain, like every day. Like you know, just it's it's horrible. Like the 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 cyst on my spine, and the doctor was just treating me with the worst disrespect utterly. Yeah. And told me, well, I don't see any nerve damage, so I'm not going to send you to a neurosurgeon. And that's really ultimately was my goal, just to get into the neurosurgeon and go through rehab. And I never intended but, but, to be on the medication in the first place, you know? Right, but we can't have you on heroin. We we can't have you shooting up. Okay, we, we can't do exactly. that. Exactly. So, exactly. And it's, can, it's can, really can we, sad. Can we, can I tell you to get another doctor? I mean, seriously, you don't want to go on the street and, 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 and buy heroin. You can't do that, especially you don't know what... what I mean, there's, there's so many things wrong with that. I understand the cause. I understand the reason. But t- can you take your diagnostic films, whatever you got, and find another doctor? Kiddo? I mean, because yeah, we can't have I, you. I have, talked to, I have talked to them, and the insurance company won't even work with me and, or anything. So I'm kind of stuck up against the wall. I, I have a really bad feeling that I'm kind of like on the do not treat list. 
because of my beliefs and because of the things I looked up online sure. and because of all that, that I'm kind of sort of a targeted individual. I have people I've known in the past. My grandfather worked for NASA. My ex's dad was a U.S. biological chemical engineer for the United States Air Force. He worked for FEMA. He built all the FEMA computers, all the United States Postal Service computers. So I'm constantly being watched, and no one believes me, but I just feel like that I'm always under attack like on a constant basis like you know, spiritually it's invisible and even my disease was so invisible that people can't see it and they look at me and they just see this young girl and I'm 41 years old and they think I'm just fine and nothing's wrong with me and they just they all dismiss me and I've been dealing with this for over 30 years I've had a lot of pain ever since I've had the last vaccination which I found out was the MMR vaccination so mm. that's okay, what it so, did so you're, and I see. as far as I see. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for your kind words about our program, but I'm more concerned about you know getting you uh, legitimate health care. Um, exactly. Uh, I mean, I say, you know, uh, the other thing I want to say is please uh, stop, stop it, stop the heroin. I understand that the government. This is government, big government. I understand why. And I think the heroin epidemic, in my view, is because of of the DEA, and I think it's a it's a sin. I think it's a damn thing. It is. Th- uh, it is. But, it is. And I have apologized to God. I but really have. You, but, but, but you can't be shooting up. So what do we do? Would you promise me that you're, you're going to, I mean, tomorrow? Call, make, yes, make call actually, tomorrow. I can, actually. Yes, I can. It's the same number. I mean, make a call. No, no, make a call tomorrow to, to a doctor, that to a pain clinic, to a pain oh, management yes. clinic. Find the doctor, please. Yes. Yes, 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 absolutely. And, absolutely. and you know what? Are you guys? Yes. Um, and also do me a favor, let us know via email, studio at hagman and hagman.com. Just put in the subject line your name, your first name. Okay. And, I, and okay. I'm going to know how, we want to know how you're doing. Um, okay. Please. Do, 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 I, I, I don't want to wake up, I don't want to wake up and hear that you're dead with a needle stuck in your arm. That's exactly what I'm afraid of. You know, you know, that's exactly what I'm afraid of. I mean, it's it's such a daily thing. It's so hard for me to, like, get around or do anything. I crawl to the bathroom, and it's just absurd the, the amount of pain that I'm in. And I, I didn't even want to do this in the first place. You know, it's just, it's it's frustrating for me. And I've had to deal with it for so long, so many years. And I'm, I'm finally in my wit's end, you know, and I think that's what did it to me, you know. But I, I love you guys very much, and I really look up to you guys. And well, well, do, do us a favor, kind of words, and, okay. and we'll keep you in our prayers. And, yeah, and keep in touch with you. us because we can't afford to lose listeners, especially thank that you. way. All right. Thank you. God bless you Thanks guys for coming and sharing. You have a good night. You're welcome. You too. God bless. Before All we get right. to the next caller, I just want to say, folks, you see th- this: the war on drugs. It's a it's a joke. The DEA is a joke. The doctors out there are scared to death. And and here's here's what I want to do. Okay, and, and and I told this story before. Children and even some adults, stage four cancer, terminal, weeks, perhaps months, generous, away from death, certain death. Doctors come out, or the the, the DEA comes out saying to the doctor you can't really prescribe you know whatever opiate drug it might be to that to that 
terminally ill patient because they could get addicted. Okay, to the lawmakers that write those laws and to the, uh, the people who enforce those laws, to the doctors who agree with those laws, here's what I want to do. I want to tie a little, little morphine pill or whatever opiate would be needed to treat the pain from cancer that you, lawmaker, might be in, tie it to a fishing line, and make you crawl across the floor for it when you are in that pain, or your mother is in that pain, or your wife, because of terminal cancer, is in that pain. All right? That's what I think of the loss. Because the the heroin epidemic is artificially created by the DEA. You have to understand the whole bigger picture. And I don't want to hear this crap. Well, there's an epidemic. It's hypocritical for, for, look, if there is a legitimate need, insert name of drug here, for that drug for palliative care should be given. Especially to, the, to, the, to those who are terminally ill. Not as a, and please don't, don't take it out of context what I'm saying. Not for recreational purposes, not for purposes of killing one's self or, you know, um, uh, end of life reasons. But we have a problem in this country and the problem are the lawmakers, the problem are the, are the people in the prison industrial complex, the problem is much deeper. Every night you hear on the news, oh, heroin epidemic. Well, you've caused it. You caused it. And how dare you? How dare you? Just how dare you? All right, I'm done. All right, let's go to Maria. Maria, thank you so much for holding. You're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hi, guys. Well, that's one that I care about very intensely, what, what we just went through here. And, folks, I, I hope we're going to pray for this lady, and there are probably other listeners in similar situations who didn't call because there's, there's a tremendous amount of this kind of thing going on. And uh, sure. the Bible says that the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. They do it in the name of compassion, and the end result is cruel. It also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, that means if people are not God-fearing, then they don't have any sense. They can't think straight. And that's exactly what we're seeing in practical terms here. We're seeing it in politics. We're seeing it in, in this kind of situation. And we're even seeing it with the doctors that are caving in and the preachers who won't preach about it. Same thing with Planned Parenthood. They keep exposing this terrible stuff, and we're not doing anything about it. It's because we're not a God-fearing nation. And, and the reason I called is to, to exhort people, we've got to pray for this nation. No man can fix this mess. Only God can fix this mess. And the other thing is, we know about the power of unity in prayer. When people are all praying together for the same thing, well, the occultists know about that. The witches and the Satanists know about that. Every month they have a day set aside to pray to curse President Trump and everybody who's supporting him in any way. It's a day, it's two days before the waning, before the new moon. So it's the waning moon. If you see when the new moon is on the calendar, look two days before that, and that's when they did it. This month it was on the 24th, two days ago. Now, 
Now, if the witches are doing it publicly, you know the Satanists are doing it, and the voodoo people and everybody else, they're all working for the same boss. He's going to inspire them all to do it and get on the train and make a gung-ho uh, united effort here. And the the prayer that they put out, the curse they put out publicly was just to bind him. But you know there are people that are praying killing curses and curses to drive him, try to drive him mad and curses to try to influence people who influence him and all kinds of stuff like that. They do that kind of thing. I've got a friend who's a former Satanist before he became a Christian and I've I read books by people who, you know, had to do research and things and got involved in it and got out of it. So... They're very practical and targeted. Well, we need to be targeted in praying for protection for President Trump. The other thing is the White House, Bill and Hillary Clinton were both into voodoo. Hillary's a witch. Doc Marquis says that Bill is also a witch, that they're Illuminati witches and Hillary's is a higher level than, than Bill is. But I know for sure they're both in voodoo because I did a lot of research on that, including Haitian publications that are online. And then uh, Larry Nichols said that Hillary was going to California every every month or two to participate in witchcraft stuff. Well, that must have been a pretty big shot thing for her to go all the way to California. You know there were local ones. So she must, that's an indication things were pretty high up. So would you want to live in a house that, where that had been going on for eight years? And. And then you got the, the, the Obamas in there, and, and his wife's mother is into Santa Rio, which is very similar to voodoo, and she had a practitioner over there. And here we used to conjure up what she said was the spirit of Eleanor Roosevelt to talk to, had a, had a New Age guru come in to do that. The woman was a witch. According to Dr. Marquis, she was a witch. And so does that, uh, what do you think they were conjuring up? Sure wasn't Eleanor Roosevelt. Would you want to live in a house like that? They're living there at night and working there during the day, and everybody who's working with them is in that place. We need to chase those demons out of there. And yes, he's got some pastors behind him, but these days how many people even understand that stuff? So we need to take spiritual warfare seriously and be serious about praying for President Trump. And wherever he is with God, that God will get him closer to him and give him understanding the Christian pastors behind him may be compromised. Most pastors are these days. They've gotten so confused by all the brainwashing out there in the seminaries and the magazines for pastors. Everything's so watered down and, you know, if you got a, got a guy like Charles Spurgeon of the old school and brought him up today and they saw what, Christ, what calls itself Christianity these days, they'd throw up. Most of it, there are some good, solid, God-fearing men. Well, for instance, Russ Dizdar. We get some wonderful ones on the show here, but these people are few and far between. They're rare jewels. Most of what's out there is such a wishy-washy mess. And we have got to be on fire. We've got to be lights. We've got to be so different that we don't fit in with the world. And people say, what's different about you? How come you're not freaking out like everybody else? How come you can love that person when everybody else is scared of them or hates them, you know? We need to be visibly right. different. And we've got to be tuned in to God all the time. And we've got to be serious about praying. It's so easy to get tired of it, and we just want to, you know. And, and there's this thing, uh, Dave Hodges calls it cognitive dissonance. You know it, but you don't know it. You, you, you know it, but it, it's too hard to think it's really, really, really true. Well, guess what, folks? It really is. 
And we better get spiritually and emotionally prepared now for what's coming because we're going to have to endure to the end. And some of us are going to have to love not our lives unto the death. Some of us are going to wind up getting killed for our faith just like they are in, in the Middle East. We're not exceptions. We're, we're not immune to that. The Germans never expected to wind up where they did. We're not immune. They were intelligent, educated, hardworking people. We're not immune. Mm-hmm. So we just need to. No, I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, we're already seeing uh, murders for the faith right here in the United States. I mean, it's happening already. Um, by the way, folks, this is Maria Canese, author of Prepare for Persecution. Go to Amazon, get yourself a copy, and a, and a number of other books. But Prepare for Persecution is so relevant today. Amazon, Maria Canese, Prepare for Persecution. That's the main one. And if I I had a way to put it as a free download on a website, I'd do it. But I can't do that because a a publisher's done another edition of it, and and I was doing well to be able to keep mine going. Mine I keep adding to and revising it and expanding it. (laughs) So it's got a lot more in it. But uh, I I wish I could. I carry it around with me. I give them away all the time when I run into Christians. Or when they bring packages to the door or something, you know. Are you a Christian? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyway, we've we've got to get prepared. I mean, all the other prepping in the world won't do a bit of good if, if we cave in and deny Jesus. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And how many churches ever preach about that kind of thing these days? We have got to be faithful no matter what it costs. That's the bottom line. That's got to be the one thing we will not compromise on. So, anyway, no, you're right. God bless you're right. you guys. Yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, thanks thank for calling Thank you for really all you're doing. It. All right. Maria, you have a good night. Thank you. You too. Folks, I, folks, I expect the y'all to go out and buy for persecution. Is that presumptuous to say? Seriously, it's good. It's a great book. It's a great spiritual tuner upper. Uh, a lot of inspiration in that book as well. So prepare for persecution, Marie Canese. I want to thank everybody yeah. for for calling in tonight. I want to hit this news story. It's kind of on topic of what we were talking about. Um, the mainstream media is going to finally expose the CIA drug trafficking conspiracy in an explosive History Channel series. Right. That that the, last week. Oh boy! <laughs> no, be but still week, my heart. There was a few. Uh, I think it was on uh, April twentieth, uh, because of four twenty. It's like a marijuana holiday. Uh, the History Channel did. Uh, they were they showed a number of documentaries uh, dealing with uh, you know cocaine to opium um, to the history of, of the war on drugs in America. Well, apparently they're coming out with uh, as this. The headline says an explosive um, new series on drugs, and it starts out by talking about Richard Nixon and the war on drugs, and how in 1973, when the Drug Enforcement Administration was established and the war on drugs was established, how the it has created a drug war in America and a drug problem in America that is worse now than it has ever been in the past. And they go on to say that it's no coincidence, but they uh, this article says that. the corrupt and violent drug war has gotten so bad that it's getting pushed into the mainstream and in an extremely rare move any network a subsidiary of abc and, and the disney company will be addressing the government's role in the drug war in a four-part documentary series on the history channel titled america's war on drugs 
and it's going to um, delve into items that up until recently were considered conspiracy theory, one being the CIA's drug dealing um, from their creation of crack cocaine and the dissemination of crack cocaine to uh, in the 80s to today, uh, the bringing in the heroin from Afghanistan and allowing um, drug traffickers and, and uh, criminal elements to operate in exchange for support against foreign enemies. Again, it's going to be a four look a four part series that yeah, yeah with, uh, I, I can't wait. It's going to be all inclusive. It's going to name names. I'm just so excited. I'll be still my heart for crying out loud. It, it, look, here's the thing: uh, the rat lines all across North Africa, from the Middle East, Afghanistan, opium, uh, you know, all this illicit drugs. The Mexican drug cartels coming in. Um, you know what, folks? If people aren't getting this by now. They ain't never going to get it, and, and I'm so uh, I'm so tired of these these right wing conservatives. Most of them are conservatives who who have blinders on, who think that their their solution lies in a specific candidate. For crying out loud, they're they're part of this industry. They're part of this drug trafficking, and and, and believe me, there's no television show mainstream who is going to expose the drug trafficking, the human trafficking, the gun running. All of this, it's just not going to happen. And especially when you got Eric Holder running out there, um, running around still, um, you know, un- or, uh, without punishment for uh, his uh, being in contempt of Congress uh, on the Fast and Furious issue. I mean, how in that world can we explain? Somebody explain to me how Eric Holder can still walk around, former Attorney General, being found in contempt. On Fast and Furious, and not even get and and be allowed to walk. Explain that to me. See, now some people say, "Well, what, you know, why keep talking about it? Because it's not going to make a difference." No, we have to keep talking about it. We must keep talking about it. Okay, we must not accept. In my view, we must not accept anything less than than the truth, and we must keep the truth in front of everyone. And you know what? If if ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million people, if they know the truth, but it's just not pushing the, uh, the pushing the button to action. Then maybe that next person will do it. Maybe the tenth person that you convert will do it. Maybe the hundredth person that you convert with the truth will do it. But you know, you can't stop. The History Channel, as far as I'm concerned, okay, uh, when they break away from showing Hitler, um, and, you know, and dying in a bunker, this stuff, come on. I, I get it. But look, the truth needs to be told. Big business, rat lines. And this is where organ harvesting comes in. This is where sex trafficking comes in. This is where drug running comes in. And, you know, the wars, isn't it funny? Um, not funny, ha-ha funny, but ironic, isn't it? Isn't it a little bit ironic that here we have the national or the uh, military-industrial complex pushing for wars in not just the Middle East, but now North Korea, anywhere anywhere where it's feasible. Start a war, make money. Uh, same domestically, okay? The domestic template is the same as the geopolitical template overseas. Let's create a, a let's create felons out of everyone, so we can jail everybody possible. Um, and uh, whether it's a traffic ticket or a drug violation, let's jail them, and we can make money on going in and coming out. Simple as that. But anyway, yeah. So that that's my screed for now. Are we done yet? <laughs> yeah, it's been a long day. It, it really has. Um. By the way, by the way, uh, the, I might as well mention this too. We did a, um, I did a 
interview today with uh, Tom Juby. He's an author uh, about Swiss flight, uh, Swiss Air Flight 111. And I don't know how many people remember this. It was September 2nd, I believe, 1998. Was it September 2nd? Let me check my notes on the computer here. It was, um, yeah, September 2nd, 1998, killing 229 people. Uh, Tom wrote a book, a very interesting book, uh, about this particular crash. It details, the, it wasn't a crash, it was a takedown. It details the corruption. It details all sorts of things. This is, uh, this is a couple of years after TWA Flight 800 and a couple of years, two years before 9-11. Uh, Swiss Air Flight 111. If you haven't heard about it, this is from New York. Uh, it was going to Geneva, Switzerland. Crashed just off Nova Scotia. Uh, Tom is, Tom was a, uh, uh, part of the RCMP, uh, the forensic team. Uh, Thomas Juby, the author of Twice as Far. That's the name of the book. Twice as Far, uh, Swiss Air 111. I would urge everyone to order that on Amazon. That interview is going to be posted tomorrow. That is a great interview. It's relevant to today because the same players, the same template as we've seen throughout the, the time period from 19, the mid 1990s through 9-11 in into today are part of this. And this is from a Canadian's, Canadian point of view. So, um, yeah. Thomas Juby, author twice as far. It's coming out tomorrow. The interview. And tomorrow we have uh, a great show planned for you. Um, you, you said Steve Quill and, and Tom, Tom Horn, Horn are going to be on yeah, tomorrow? Absolutely. I talked to Steve today. He's all fired up, ready to go. Um, they're coming, to, Steve and Tom are coming out with a new book. My goodness, they write books more than, you know, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> Me neither. But anyway, it's, it's, in fact, Steve is very excited about, uh, about this. And then okay, now are we're we talking about, they're going to talk about the book. Yes, yes, among other things. Well, I mean, not just about the book, right. but about all of the factors involved in the book itself, but the factors surrounding that. Tom is just a tremendous man, uh, knowledgeable man, but it's going to be a good show. I want to hear his take on yeah. North Korea um, and the the geopolitical situations that are going on, um, not only in North Korea, but you know, with China, with what's going on in Syria. He yeah. always has a very uh, insightful take on on these events, so it will be uh, it should be a great show. And then uh, uh, there'll be a strong closeout to the week. And then again, uh, folks, if you haven't registered, Awaken to the Shaken Conference is uh, only one week from this coming weekend, like ten days away, and it's free to register, free to attend. You just have to go to Paul Begley Prophecy. Or just click on the, the link, Awaken to the Shaken, on HagmanReport.com or on PaulBegleyProphecy.com. Free My to register. security detail will be, will be there. So, Yeah, and we're expecting a lot of people. Russ yeah. Dizdar is going to be speaking. John Robertson is going to be speaking. Uh, my father, myself, and Pastor Paul Begley. It's a two-day event. All you got to do is pay for your, your travel and your, your stay and uh, attend the conference. Can't beat the And free. I'll shake down as many people as possible. Absolutely. See, see, it's free to attend, but you are more than welcome to pay us. Pay, pay us directly. In, <laughs> in, uh, in fact, uh, yeah, just bring. You can pay my dad in compliments. No, 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 no. Greenbacks. What are those? People say, what are greenbacks? I, I, I know because I know. Yeah, folks, 
fantastic program. Uh, John Robertson did a great job, the guest and Joe, and it was a great program. Uh, Brandon House, of course, about the uh, situation in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Interesting. Keep our eyes on that. There's a war against Christians. There's a war against Jews. There was a war against political conservatives. We need to, to gather together to fight. And anyone who doesn't want to fight, get out of the way. We'll do it for you. Until next time, stay safe. God bless. Yeah, have a good night, everyone. Good.